Hello and welcome to Talking Triple Crown, part of the Kickout 299 Network. I'm Jessie, whose pronouns are she, her. I'm Alicia, my pronouns are she, her. And today we have a first-time guest, so Simone, please introduce yourself to everybody. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm Simone, my pronouns are he, him. Tag League and Junior Battle of Glory is in the books for another year and brought new challenges, exciting stories and fantastic wrestling. We have a massive show for you, including end of year awards, so let's not waste any more time. Before we get to Tag League and Junior Battle of Glory Tournaments, we have to go over All Japan's Hokkaido show from the 31st of October to the 5th of November. The shows were used to build up to the two tournaments and the three title matches. We don't have time to get into the whole Hokkaido show, but we'll go over the three title matches. The first one is a World Tag Team title match. Jun Sato and Rei Sato defeated Minoru Suzuki and Hokuto Mori in 21 minutes and 33 seconds. This match was just a crazy mess, really, with some good wrestling uh, mixed in. Suzuki was nuts. At one point, he held scissors like he would stab somebody, and then he had a wrench for some reason. <laughs> Omori and June had a really fun ending. Another successful defense for the brothers is what they really needed before heading into Tag League. Another loss for the Omori and Suzuki team. I can't really see them challenging for the Tag Belts any again. They might be done, especially since Omori has moved on to a better, in every way, tag partner. Okay. It was... It was- very funny. It was a very funny match. And this was one of those matches that showed uh, how much the Saitos improved this year, I think, because their their character work was incredible. Also, the interactions that Ray had with Minoru Suzuki were incredible. When uh, Minoru tried to know to no sell his chops to the to the turnbuckles and Ray beat the shit out of him, I laughed really hard. And, uh, and also, I think this was one of the matches that showed that Okuto was starting to get his new character. I think there is a huge beef on Twitter about his hair, and I agree. But even <laughs> with his goofy hair that now he has, he was still very good in this match. On to the junior heavyweight title match. Alineman defeated Jonathan Gresham in 12 minutes and 44 seconds. There were fun past this match, but Lineman needs to drop the belt like months ago. Gresham was a weird choice to bring in. He feels more like a New Japan or a uh, great guest, but I, he was pretty fun. He fit in with the juniors, unlike Al Linderman, and I wouldn't mind if he stuck around a bit longer. I'll just say that I missed uh, some of the matches during this time period because, um, you know, life. Um, I didn't actually get a chance to go back and watch Linderman versus Jonathan Gresham. I did think that Gresham was a really weird um choice to bring in i don't know if they plan on bringing him in again i think that he kind of just had like what a tag and this defense and then he was kind of out again um really weird really weird to bring him in for lindeman who's not even one of our guys on this show i think that's why it kind of leaves a weird taste in my mouth it's like that's cool like jonathan gresham's a cool guy i haven't seen him wrestle in years um i used to watch him wrestle more when i would like go to ring of honor shows live um but it's just weird to bring in a guy like that for a guy who's not even our guy. And then the guy who's not even our guy fucks off 
um, most of the time anyway with our belt and then we never see him either. I think that's why this whole thing doesn't really work for me. But granted, I also haven't seen the match. I think the match was fine. Um, Gresham was a uh, very weird pick for, for, for this tour because I think he's one of the smallest guys in, uh, in, all American, in all American wrestling and put a guy this small in a promotion where the average height is... Uh, I think if you pick a, a random junior in Japan and you put him um, near to near a, a guy from any other promotion, a junior from any other promotion, the junior I from all Japan will look like I wait. And uh, to pick a guy this small was weird, but he weirdly fit. I think uh, his, uh, his mat wrestling is very good. And um, the match was fine. I'm not you, John Lindemann. We'll, we'll talk about this later, I think. But uh, I, I think it was fine. It was a good match. And now onto the big match, the Triple Crown title match. Katsuhiko Nakajima defeated Yuma Oyagi in 24 minutes and 60 seconds to become the new champion. And who would have thought I would be saying that sentence in 2023? I was so nervous for this one. I was scared when Nakajima elbowed Yuma down to the mat in the corner. I thought, okay, this is going to be a squash. Yuma's losing easy. But I wasn't. I was thankfully wrong. And this turned into a fantastic match. It's one of the matches of the year for All Japan, really. Yuma got so much more offense than I thought he would get. The fans were 100% behind Yuma. I remember thinking, what is Nakajima's finishing move again? And then when he held Yuma and looked into the camera, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's his finishing move. It's coming. Um, the crowd did fall silent a bit when Nakajima won, which was interesting. But, of course, the big thing here is Kento, who was on commentary for the match, came to the ring. They had words and the match was set. Kento versus Nakajima at Yoyogi for the triple crown. Yeah, this match was um, was tremendous. Could, like I think, easily make, like, mine i mean we'll talk about it in the year end awards like mine anyone's like uh match of the year easily within all japan or maybe even like in a broader list um yeah tremendous yuma looked outstanding he looked like a champion coming out to defend his promotion's honor against um an invader and i think though katsuhiko nakajima is very interesting um in that role so to speak because he's not really an invader he has actually quite a bit of history with um all japan and has um you know he has more history at starting in all japan than you would think um, before he was even in Noah. So um, yeah, it's interesting to think about it from that perspective, but these two were tremendous. Um, it was really interesting to see from the people that I follow, Japanese fans that, that are huge fans of All Japan on Twitter. Um, a lot of them were pulling for obviously Yuma to retain because it's like a point of pride. Um, he's their guy, he's their champion, and people didn't really want to see him necessarily lose the belt to um, an outsider. So yeah, there was definitely a sense of, um, I, I think, some mild disappointment, at least with um, with Katsuhiko um, beating him um, from the hardcore fans, at least. But um, what a tremendous match. I don't think Yuma lost anything Um in Katsuhiko beating him either. He got to kick out of the vertical spike. I think that was um, the perfect choice um, in this. That was a huge moment. Nakamoto and um, Kento on commentary like screamed so loud when he kicked out of the vertical spike too, which really added to the moment. But Yuma looked tremendous here, even in defeat. I don't think that um, losing the Katsuhiko here mars his reign at all. I think there's like a tight, compact story um, in everything when you present his reign and then it does happen to lead into the second Katsuhiko and Kento singles match we're going to get in 2023, which doesn't really feel real um, yet at all. It's kind of bizarre. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree on all, on all accounts. I think that the match was fantastic, first of all. one of Easily one of the best matches of the year. 
and uh, not only in all Japan, all, all the other, the little bit of other wrestling that I saw this year this is absolutely one of the best matches of the year. And I also think that uh, having a guy like Nakajima uh, be the one to uh, to put an end to Yuma's reign was the right idea because. Um, if you had to choose someone in the promotion, I think it would have looked a little bit, uh, I don't know, diminishing because he, he beat basically everyone who was, who was, who was still there. And uh, also, I think Nakajima it is a, he is a very interesting character and there is no one like him in all Japan right now. So this this makes for uh, for a very interesting dynamics dynamic between them and um, the match was very 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 good. Mm-hmm. So now moving on to tag league and junior battle of glory. So this podcast doesn't end up ten hours long. We each have picked one junior battle of glory match and one tag league match to talk about on each day. So starting off with day one on the twelfth at Corrigan Hall. Asuki Yagi defeated Naruki Doi in 3 minutes and 47 seconds. Jun Sato and Rei Sato defeated Seigo Tachibana and Kurushio Tokyo Japan in 10 minutes and 41 seconds. Yuma Anzai and Ricky Honda defeated Osama Nishimori and Ri Inoue in 8 minutes and 48 seconds. Fuminori Abe defeated Dan Tamura in 8 minutes and 57 seconds. Rising Hayato defeated Hikaru Sato in 8 minutes and 45 seconds. Cyrus and Ryan Davison defeated Sushi Ishikawa and Ren Ayabe in 10 minutes and 14 seconds. Katsuhiko Nakajima and Hokuto Amore defeated Suwama and Hideki Suzuki in 16 minutes and 57 seconds. And in the main event, Hayato Tamura and Galano Del Mal defeated Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi in 20 minutes and 13 seconds. For Junior Battle of Glory, I picked Asi Aoyagi defeating Naruki Doi. And just a quick note before we get started, every match in the J-Bog except for the finals had a time limit of 10 minutes. And I love a sprint. I love junior wrestling. So this was the perfect way to kick off the whole tournament season for me. I think Doi had this in the bag. I really did think he would win. So I was surprised when Asuki ducked the kick, hit a jackknife pin for the win. It was out of nowhere and a really fun ending. It was an amazing sprint and an amazing way to begin. Yeah. Um, I don't want to like necessarily linger on the same match too, too long, but I will say like, I I don't know. I haven't always like really, really loved Oski and Doi together for like the reasons that we've discussed in this podcast before. There's just certain aspects of Oski's selling that I think have have not always worked. But I thought that like it's a really, really short match, like Jesse said it's a sprint, but I thought that this Aoyagi um and Doi match really, really worked. Uh, this is probably my favorite of the Oski and Doi matches so far. I thought that Oski like did really, really well in this. Like there was something about this one that flowed super differently than the other ones. I don't know if it was because of the time length and because it was, you know, inherently a, a sprint that it worked better for me um, that, you know, that it just worked out better. But I did think that this one looked better and was like a much better showing for Outski against um, Naruki Doi. Um, I will say too, I, I really liked Fuminori Abe on this tour. I mean, any chance I think that we can get to have a person like Fuminori Abe working with um, our juniors is fantastic. He's a great wrestler. Um, he's great at putting together matches. I think that he works particularly well against people like um, Abe works particularly well against people like Inoue, but I think that like there's also people like, you know, Dan on this day who um, I think do really well against someone like Abe, who is good at leading um, some of these younger guys through matches. So um, Abe was one to watch throughout the tournament. He's also extremely entertaining and his photos back and forth with Yuma Aoyagi are really funny to watch on Twitter. 
Yeah, Abe is, is a little miracle because he, he is drenched in battle art style, but he's, he is also able to adapt to basically any kind of opponent. He is, he is fantastic. Also, he's weird, which is a big selling point for me, yes. as, you, <laughs> as you may know. And um, my match of the night for, for the juniors was, to me too, uh, Tsugi versus Doi. It was very fun. They kept it short, but it was a very nice sprint. And also, it opened a tradition that, that they kept for the, the whole tournament which is the, the weird finishing spot for, uh, for a DOI match. A lot of DOI matches ended in a very creative way, which I think is very interesting. And uh, in a tournament, to have something different can help a lot because uh, we were talking about, about this thing. Tournaments are daunting, can be extremely hard to, to go through. And uh, having something to differentiate the match is very cool. It's a very interesting touch. Mm-hmm. Agree with that. So for the tag team, um, I picked the Sato's defeating Tokyo Yankees. So here's the thing. By night two, I was sick of Kurosheev's entrance. But for night one, I was bopping along for the theme and smiling at his stupid little entrance gimmick. It was a weird team, but I do really like Tachibana. So I was happy to see him show up in all Japan for a bit. There is a certain someone who I'd rather him be partners with, a stocking loving Metallica fan. But I guess he's not exactly healed yet. This match was just 10 minutes of stupid fun where everyone's facial expressions were wonderful. It made me smile. And considering what the main event was, it was surprised that this was actually my favorite match of the day. Junior Ray got off to a dominant start, which is exactly what they needed in this tour. Yeah, I agree. This match was um was a pretty strong match. I think that like of the different, um you know, partner partnerings rather of like the Tachibana Kershio team, which like, by the end, I was ready to like you know call uh, Triple H and ask him to take um, Kurashio back because we how how often can we do this gimmick and this entrance on these shows? It was it was too much for me. Um, but I do think that like against people like the Saitos who are so good at character and leaning into a bit, um, it, this this worked tremendously well. So I, I agree with you in that way, Jesse. That was actually a pretty good entertaining match. I guess what I'll choose to talk about, it, and it's I guess you know pretty straightforward here, but. I do want to highlight the Katakiko and Amori match with Suwama and um, Hideki Suzuki, but for a couple reasons. The story, this storyline, really was like the dominant storyline to me of Nakajima and Amori and their sort of journey with Katakiko in the beginning, not wanting Omori to the point where he refused to partner with him until the company forced him to partner with Amori. He said he was going to do tag lead alone. Um, and then they were like, no, <laughs> after two attempts of Amori asking him and getting rejected, the company said, no, you're actually going to partner with Amori. And Katsuhiko was really mad. Um, so that put them in a, in a weird spot. And then in the beginning, it was really like Katsuhiko like throwing him out of the ring, um, not wanting to, you know, take the tag when, when Amori would, you know, reach out to him during the matches and this like constant war in the beginning over like, are you going to take your shirt off or not? Which ended up being a pretty interesting bit between them. Um, so you have all of the genesis of this. Um, the problem though, for with this match that ended up really irritating me is that this should have been phenomenal. This should have been a match that any one of us could have said is our match of the year or our tag of the year in this company because of the players in the ring, right? Like it's Suwama, it's Hideki Suzuki, it's it's Nakajima, like um, Hideki and, and Katsuhiko have such history together. And it wasn't that type of match because Suwama and Hideki are in this sort of partnership that becomes like a bad marriage the whole tournament and that's fine 
but they really took away so much of the shine um, for Hokuto, who ends up having the big moment of pinning um, Suwama at the end of this, which was a huge part of the of the match. But because Suwama and Hideki slowed this match down so much, like refusing to tag each other in properly, arguing with each other, arguing with the ref, um, it really took away from like what could have been a a phenomenal brutal violent match between these guys like the the one part i liked is when it was katsuhiko and hideki in the ring together and they were not being distracted by like partner bullshit but i was frustrated especially on the the earlier part of this tour um the story with katsuhiko and hokuto works and it starts to gel and get better as the tournament goes on suwama and hideki doing their odd couple thing threatened to overshadow what katsuhiko and hokuto were actually doing together at first and like that was going to make me mad because it felt like a war of egos coming in from the veteran side, um, which really made me mad. They almost overshadowed Omori getting this like huge win over pinning Suwama at the start of this tournament. Um, so yeah, I think that there were some good things. We got to see the start of this of this journey with Katsuhiko and Hokuto, which to me is like the story of the tournament. But Suwama and Hideki and like this odd couple start, they they got, I think, a little bit better towards the end and they are funny, admittedly. But this was such a weird start. And they also like completely to me botched what should have been a better match. Yeah, I agree. This was a, this was a very weird show. And um, not, not a bad show, mind. But it was very weird because it reminded me a lot of uh, what Mudo used to do, uh, which was having uh, weird, not their, maybe not their best work match um, of the tour at Karaguen, but setting things in motion at Karaguen. Uh, at the time, Japan used to do a hand tour often, not not all the times, but they used to do to, they used to end tours in uh, in Sumo Hall, and so uh, Karagwan shows were basically those shows where things were set in motion, which is which is what happened in this show. Uh, I agree uh, that the, the Sidos versus former Wrestle One guys was very funny, fun and funny. I adore Tachibana. It is uh, it is weird that the promotion uh, that is biggest on him is the promotion uh, where the big guys are because he is is very short. I, I think by by all Japan by all Japan standards, he will never be a, a true heavyweight. But um, if it's well, is a very interesting character and is is very strong because in uh, in this tournament, uh, Igaman was basically the fool while. Uh, while Tetsubana was the was the hitter, was the guy who beat the shield of his opponents. He had uh, very big big wins. We will talk about them later. And um, I also agree that uh, Igeman entrances were insufferable throughout the, the tour. It was a nightmare. I skipped them all the time because twenty minutes to get in the ring it's a little bit too much. But it has a, it had a very nice payoff in the last day. I laughed a lot. That we will talk about that. <laughs> Day two was on the fifteenth at Tokorozawa Citizens Gymnasium. Naruki Doi defeated Hikaru Sato in four minutes fifty three seconds. Shuji Ishikawa and Ren Ayabe defeated Hayato Tamara and Galeno Demal in eleven minutes and twenty six seconds. Suwama and Hideki Suzuki defeated Sego Tachibana and Kurashio Tokyo Japan in eight minutes and forty seven seconds. Hiroshi Yamato and Ryuji Hijikata defeated Black Menso Rei and Ryo Inoue in 7 minutes and 25 seconds. Katsuhiko Nakajima and Hokuto Amori defeated Ryuki Honda and Yuma Anzai in 9 minutes and 52 seconds. Dan Tamara defeated Rising Hayato in 9 minutes and 44 seconds. Atsuki Aoyagi versus Kojima Iwamoto went to a 10-minute draw. 
June Sato and Ray Sato defeated Cyrus and Ryan Davidson in 9 minutes and 40 seconds. And Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi defeated Hideki Okatani and Yukio Sakaguchi in 15 minutes and 46 seconds. My favorite match from J-Bog was uh, a draw between Aski and uh, Iwamoto. I have been wanted this match for a long time now, so I was super happy when Koji was confirmed for the J-Bog. Aski's first ever title match was against Koji. He was fresh out of rookie gear. He had his best ever theme song, Peace Sign. I would hear no arguments to that. And he was totally out-wrestled, 100% already. And fast forward to today, we have the old junior ace versus the new junior ace. This was a fun little match. Koji still had the upper hand with Aski. He had to fight for everything, busting out his moves. I love that Aski is still searching for his single win against Koji, like it's a big hurdle in his career. And once that happens, you can really cement the junior ace spot. It's a little story. I hope All Japan recognizes it and does right by both men. I will say that it's really, really great just to see Koji Imamoto back in um, an All Japan ring like this, um, you know, throughout an entire tournament. He was obviously gone for a really long time and we weren't sure what his status was going to be. So it's great to see him um, back. I think this was a strong um, draw. I also really did like Doi and Sato as well on the start of this card. I thought that was a really entertaining back and forth between two veterans so yeah some stronger um junior matches on this card to be sure yeah i'm going with iwamoto versus satsuki too i think they had um, an interaction on twitter where um iwamoto was uh i'm, I'm not, i don't want to say putting down uh, old japan's current style for the juniors but he was saying at my time things were different and um i remember atsuki tweeting at him Something like, uh, yeah, but we're working hard on our style, which I think was very cool because it was reflected in the match. Because we had, of course, Satsugi running three, 300 miles an hour with Iwamoto pacing the match in a different way because, of course, he's, uh, he's a shooty guy, he's, uh, he's beefier, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it, they, they played the difference very well. It was, uh, it was a very nice touch. But I also think that... Uh, all the matches in the in the junior in the junior league were very fun in the in the second night. The second night, ironically, was very 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 good on um, under a um, work rate perspective. As I was saying before, I think it was, it was intentional. They used the first night to set things in motion, and from the second night onward, they they went all in, which I think was a, it was an interesting choice and a welcomed one. For Tag League, I chose Nakajima and Amori defeating Honda and Anzai. So when Nakajima won the belt, a lot of people were talking about how this could be Ashino's revenge for what happened in Wrestle 1. But there is also a former one wrestler on the card. And Honda made damn sure look like he was out for some revenge. The elbows exchanged between them were wonderful and brutal. Even Anzai, when he unloaded um, elbows to Nakajima in the corner, that was brutal as well. Honda was gunning for Nakajima in the entire match, even after the match was over. He went back for more. And it's also great to see this team of Amori and Nakajima went from hating each other night one to this tiny, tiny little bit more respect. This will evolve more as the tournament continues, and it's just so great to watch. Yeah, for me, I think the this tournament was the exciting teams for me were Katsuhiko and Hokuto and then... Um, Definitely new period and then business tag. That to me were like the three standout teams in, in my mind, at least, um, which is not to say that there are not other teams that were still exciting and like fun to watch and like what, what have you. But I really loved what these three teams in particular were doing 
with their stories or with just character. And I think like even with Kento and Yuma as business tag, that was much more of like watching their characters build during this time period than like maybe a dedicated story between them. But all of that stuff was really compelling. So I agree. I think that the um, the Nakajima Hokuto stuff with New Period was great. It's just a great little match. Like these are the types of matches that you want to see when you have someone like a Katsuhiko Nakajima in All Japan for um, as long as we have him in. You have some of that like W1 stuff there, which was mentioned, which is really great. And then Anzai just had an N1 loss to Katsuhiko um, over the summer as well. So like you get a sense of that stuff there too. Um, Katsuhiko was doing this really interesting thing during um, the N1 with Anzai, where he was like making these very interesting connections to himself when he was younger to Anzai as he is right now. I think he was like making the connection that like Yuma Anzai is supposed to be this prodigy and Katsuhiko himself was a prodigy when he was like younger, right? Um, so it's interesting to see the, those two interact um, together in that way. But I was thinking a lot about their N1 match um, going into this one. But this is one of those new period matches that just does not disappoint. Like both teams are just fantastic. Yeah, the new period match was absurdly intense. I loved it. Um, I love that uh, the guys, the, the kids went for uh, Nagajima's head and they they went at it for, for all the time, for the whole match, basically. Uh, if I had to pick my favorite match, though, it would be Saitos versus the Gaijins versus Cyrus and Davidson. Um, I don't know. I think I'll, uh, I'll bring the case again. I love Ryan Davidson and Cyrus. I think they understand perfectly. What does it mean to be a heavyweight in Japan, uh, uh, an American heavyweight in Japan? They are perfect. They are perfect. And uh, the Saitos works work, uh, very well with, uh, with the big guys. And um, basically, the thing I love the most about the Saito brothers is that they perfectly understand what works. And uh, they get it basically from, from, on a fundamental level. And uh, when two big guys face two big guys, I want MIDI stuff. They gave me MIDI stuff and I really loved the match. Did you know who um, Ryan Davidson was before he wound up in this um, tag tournament, Simone? Never heard of him before. Mm -hmm. I had no idea who he was, but I love him you, now. Yeah, because I was going to say, you ended up really, I was watching your your tweets throughout your, your progress of watching this and you ended up, I knew you were very high on Cyrus and, and granted Cyrus, he does know how to be a heavyweight in this company. Um, and he is quite good with a lot of people. I especially love him against Kento. I think that they are actually a magic combination together, but I was curious about what it is exactly about Ryan Davidson that made you just go like, yes, this guy has to be here full time. He gets it. Oh, for, for, for what about Cyrus? What I love about Cyrus is that as Louis said, um, a lot of people go for the Vader vibe. He gets it. He is truly one that gets it. And Davidson, I like it. I like him a lot because he's, he's while, while he's big, he's also quite nimble. Mm -hmm. he's, uh, he's, he's, um, I think he's a, a pretty complete pack, package. I love him a lot. And um, he knows where, when to do big moves. He knows when to emote, which is not, not Cyrus' biggest um, biggest thing I think with and uh, Davidson gives that uh, to the team he understands what to do and when to do it no I completely get that um and I'm curious too for both of you I guess because you know we had 
Um, Cyrus is not necessarily a newcomer. He competed last year, but he had a new tag partner this year. And then we had a bunch of people who really haven't competed in real world tag league before. We had the DDT team interruption. Um, we had the Glate team as well, who I don't think either of them have ever been in this tournament. Um, but was would you say, Simone, that your favorite team was the Geico Cusions, or was there someone else um, of the newcomers that you thought did better? I love them all. I think Corruption worked very in a, in a very intense fashion. I like them a lot. I, of course, I was more familiar with them than I was with uh, the American guys. I knew them. Um, I had a little bit of a problem with Okadani because he's, he's very good. He's young, he's good, but he lacks a little bit in charisma, I think. He reminds me a little bit of uh, young Kono. Young Kono was, was born to be all Japan's Maybe not all Japan's face, but one of the faces of all Japan before he left. So he left for Wrestle One, but he lacked charisma, and I think Wakatani has a similar problem. But in this tournament, he did incredible. I think it was the best I've seen him ever. I think, and um, the Glade guys—they are great. They are great. I, I think they work better with within uh, all Japan's uh, ring than they do in, in Glade because they work in a style that is perfect for all Japan. Maybe not so much for Glade. Of course, when there is um, a promotion that has a particular style and there are guys who are different, they stand out. And they do. In Glade, they, 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 they do stand out. But I think in old Japan, they are perfect because uh, you have heavy, big, heavy guys like Rai Saito, for example. And you have Galeno, which is huge, almost as big, but is is very mobile, is incredible. And um, having this kind of difference uh, in a tournament, Give you a, gives you a lot. And uh, I think it paid off perfectly. I really enjoyed the Glate team. Like, I thought they were great. Um, yeah. I just, I don't think I've ever seen Galano before. I know I've seen Haito Tomorrow before, but I think they did fantastic in this tournament and they really fit into All Japan. I think to um, Simone's point, my issue with that team, um, I think that, Whatever they're doing in Glate is not giving them what they need to actually be even better coming over into a tournament like Real World Tag League. I think they have a shitload of potential. They have incredible, like, aesthetically, they look amazing. They have, like, incredible ring gear. They have great presence in that way. They could be hugely successful in a place like All Japan. I think that to be better and to get to that next level, they've got to, they've got to dip on Glate. I think it's, I think it's a wrap for their time in Glate. Because what I think with whatever whatever is going on in Glate in terms of who they're servicing, who they're teaching, who they're whatever, it doesn't actually extend well to the two of them. They could be better if they left. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, I agree. Glate is a, is a, really, well, is a really well promotion, I think. And I agree. They would, do, they would do much better in all Japan, I think. That's sort of my, uh, my big questions right now. And I guess... Um, I will also say, um, and just to go off, I guess, you know, my pick, I guess I would say eruption. I agree with you, Simona. I think that um, Okatani will struggle for as long as he can't tap into what he needs to be a much more charismatic wrestler um, with more of a presence. It's funny because I think that when he's with 
um, Sakaguchi and like they're in like their eruption gear and they're doing their entrance, that's where you see the most presence. But then as soon as he's actually like one-on-one -on -one with somebody in the ring, that's where you lose something with him. He's a great little wrestler. He adds a lot to a tour like this, um, but definitely needs that boost and just presence and charisma. But I think that like Yukio Sakaguchi, he should stick around, especially like I think both of them could stick around, but like there's so much more I want to see out of Sakaguchi coming out of a tour like this, which is always really cool. Um, I don't know how long Katsuhiko will hold the Triple Crown. There's a lot of things I think at play here, which we'll talk about later. Um, but I could easily see that defense and and, and be just like overjoyed to see it. Um, that's that's my type of match would be Katsuhiko versus Yukio Sakaguchi. So um, they would be my choice. And I thought that they were good in this, this main event match too with Business Tag. Um, Kendo did a lot of extensive research about his um, his opponents going into this one too. Um, did a lot of Googling, figured out that Okatani has red hair, you know, so he he was doing well um, in his research on the way into that one. But um, it was cool in this tournament, I think, more so than like last year's, which I thought was a bit of a disaster, that we got to see our guys at least mix it up with people that we don't like often see before in this way. It was it was really cool, I think, especially to have um, the Geico Kujans in and then especially um, burning or not burning, eruption as well. I thought that was all um, good choices for this year. Agreed. Day three was on the 19th at Nagoya International Conference Center. Rhi Inoue defeated Ryzen Hayato in six minutes and 54 seconds. Hideki Okutani and Yukio Sakaguchi defeated Suji Ishikawa and Ren Ayabe in 11 minutes and 38 seconds. Katsuhiko Nakajima, Hokuto Amore, and Eriki Tanazaki defeated Black Manso Rei, Yoshi Tatsu, and Kurishiro Tokyo Japan in 12 minutes and 24 seconds. Jun Saito and Rei Saito defeated Haito Tamura and Galana Damal in 9 minutes and 52 seconds. Dan Tamura defeated Asuki Yagi in 8 minutes and 58 seconds. Cyrus and Ryan Davison defeated Suwama and Hideki Suzuki in 9 minutes and 34 seconds. And in the main event, Kento Mihara and Yuma Oyagi versus Ruki Honda and Yuma Anzai went to a 30-minute draw. My junior match for today was definitely Ryu Inoue defeating Ryzen Haito. So on the 20th of November, 2022, Inoue picked up his first ever singles win and almost to the day, he picks up his biggest win ever. I really like this. It was basically a battle of kicks versus chops. Inoue has a lot of fire and looks determined in his first J-Bug match of the year. I love the bit where he kicked Hayato, who bounced straight back up and he screamed in Inoue's face only to receive a scream back and another kick. Inoue debuted his new finisher. It's like a hooked leg backdrop with Inoue holding that opponent's arm around his neck. I'm surprised it's not a kick finisher, but I'm happy he has a proper one now. Yeah, I thought that was a great match. Great showing for Rio Inoue. I wasn't sure at first how I felt about him beating um, Rising Hayato, but I also thought in the beginning that Rising Hayato was going to have a much different tournament. Um, I did not think that the winner, the eventual winner of JBOG, if you will, was going to win this year i kind of thought that he'd have um a bigger win next year you know if it was sort of hesitant and thinking that maybe this would be that person's year um but with hayato here i wasn't sure if this was um the person that rio anyway was needed to defeat but ultimately it was a very good match i also um thought that dan tamara um against Atsuki was a very good match those two are just like the perfect rival um rivalry fodder and I'll say this just about Dan in general I think why I love Dan so much in this um 
this sort of division right now is because in general, the new style of junior wrestling doesn't actually always speak to me. As much as I love Atsuki and Hayato and some of those other guys, um, the wrestling in and of itself doesn't actually um, appeal to me necessarily. It's just not the type of wrestling that I get usually very excited about, but I'm very passionate about them and, you know, their, this the success of this division, right, in this company. However, Dan is like the antithesis of all of them. Um, he is a different type of wrestler. He has a different type of moveset. Dan is actually much more appealing to me. So I love that Atsuki has a foil always in Dan Taramara. So does Rising Hayato. Um to that to that end as well so that's why it's so great to see dan um do well in these type of matches because he just brings something different to the junior division that we do actually need we need somebody who's going to throw lariats really fucking hard and make these like little flippy guys spin in the air right like that's kind of what we need from dan so that's why he's so appealing to me also he hit lariat um on atsugi when atsugi was flipping like a madman mm-hmm. he kept him he, he struck him very strong um, while he was flipping, which was a very good, um, a very good visual. My junior match of the night was Inoue versus Ayado. Uh, I think that uh, considering how young uh, Inoue is, it's absolutely insane what they're giving him already. Uh, and I think they're right because he's very promising. And also, um, to me, he's cream star. Also, I think he, he will become a heavyweight if he keeps up, is, is growing. Because this, the, the same was said about Tamura a few years ago, but yeah, I think he didn't grow an inch. He didn't put a single kilogram. So I, they had to abort the idea. But uh, I think uh, Inoue is going to become eventually an heavyweight, maybe further down the line. Um, the, his finisher was interesting because it reminded me a lot of uh, Atsushi Aoki's uh, Assault Point, I think it was called. So it was mm-hmm. uh, it was a very nice nice thing to see to see that. Also, I'm glad they dished um, the Salati kick to the kneeled opponent because most time he basically hit there. So it is it is better this way. And also at this point of the tournament, I was uh, of course the tournament had already just started, but I was uh, I was on two mind about his triangle kick that he does on the corner. Because at this point in the tournament, he was uh, missing every dime. So I was about, maybe you should ditch it. But then uh, as the tournament went on, he finally got the hang of it. For tagging match, I just want to quickly shout out the Eruption duo. I felt this match was about Okatani uh, overcoming her massive odds slash wrestlers in front of him. And him busting out um, former member, Saki Akai's finishing move was a really feel-good moment and the crowd loved it. But I have to go with the draw. This was the second time in a couple of months these two had wrestled to a draw. And for the last one, I have some favorable things to say about it. But I watched this with an open mind and I really love this. <laughs> I really had a good time watching this. Anzo brought back the jumping barricade punch, which got me hyped like he did when he did it last, the whole one, two, three, four spot was great. Anzai getting involved in the outside was a lot of fun as well. The referee followed Honda around like he was a freaking Terminator on the outside. And Honda looked like a little kid who was actually in trouble, like he did something wrong and he knew he did something wrong. The two humans had a wonderful closing sequence. And with these two teams, you can't go wrong. Now we're just waiting for the day where one of these teams actually gets the win and it doesn't go to a draw. 
I think the use of the draw with these guys is actually extremely effective. And if you look at like who Honda has um, drew against over the last couple of weeks to months, it's actually like really, really smart that they're doing it this way and letting this build. So I was super um, on board for this. I thought this match was tremendous. Like to me, you can't find really a new period match, no matter whether they drew here or lost. Um, I, I do have some things to say about like the, the losing in terms of like their record and stuff um, in this tournament. Cause like, I have some questions about how they especially build Honda um, through these things, but I, you can't find a bad match because these two are tremendous together um, and they have such great matches with other people, but I loved this. Um, I think it's interesting too, to watch Honda and this th uh, one, two, three, four gimmick, because he has a different gimmick now with it, with each ref that they have um, in all Japan. He does something a little different. His um, affect is a little different with each one. So he's really smart to do it that way. Um, it'll get some, I, I think, more longevity out of that gimmick too, which is really great. But um, yeah, I thought that this was um, totally, totally tremendous. Um, just a great match and, you know, more more all Japan-like matches, um, I think, in this tournament, which was sorely needed after, I think, um, again, like the clusterfuck that was last year. I agree. This match was always going to be the match of the night. The big thing about this match is that um, it never felt like it was going to be a draw. They went at it for 30 minutes, which was something that is not always the case. And I loved it even more for this. I um, as said before, um, a lot of things were set in motion at the beginning of the, of the tour, at the beginning of the tournament. And uh, we were starting to see the, um, how... Honda and uh, Anzai's character evolved. And uh, I think against guys like um, like the Aces, basically, they will always have this this extremely good match. I think they will never be able to do a bad match because they match so well. And um, yeah, the thing, I like, the, the thing I like the most about this match is how intense it was for 30 minutes, basically. It, it, never, it never stopped being intense, which is, again, not, not easy, not an easy thing. Okay, so let's move on to day four, which is on the 21st at Chinkaba First Ring. You had Ryo Inoue versus Naruki Doi, which went to a 10-minute draw. You had Koji Iwamoto versus Fuminori Abe, which also went to a 10-minute draw. And then Dan Tamara versus Hikaru Sato, which also went to a 10-minute draw. Um, Rising Hayato defeated Atsuki Aoyagi in 9 minutes and 26 seconds. Katsuhiko Nakajima and Hokuto Amori defeated Cyrus and Ryan Davidson in 10 minutes and 46 seconds. Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi defeated Shuji Ishikawa and Ren Ayabe in 11 minutes and 20 seconds. Jun Saito and Rei Saito defeated Hideki Okatani and Yukio Sakaguchi in 10 minutes and 26 seconds. Hayato Tamara and Galeno Demal defeated Suwama and Hideki Suzuki in 16 minutes and 45 seconds. And Kurashiya Tokyo, Japan and Seigo Tachibana defeated Ryuki Honda and Yuma Anzai in 18 minutes and 59 seconds. I could have honestly picked any J-Borg match from the show because they're all so good, but I'm picking Dan versus Sato. This match was definitely a master versus apprentice vibes. The groundwork was right in Sato's wheelhouse, but Dan is just getting better and better at it and kept right up with him. And the slaps, oh my God, they had a bit more in them than a regular slap. They were slapping each other silly. Like Dan's face was red at the end of this. I believe there was only one pin attempt in this match. It was great work by the two Evolution members who wrestled like they hated each other. It was just great. Yeah, I really loved Dan and Sato for just the evolution sort of, you know, drama of it all. And, the, you know, again, like the master sort of apprentice 
um, vibes of it. Super great. I also did um, really like um, Koji Iwamoto and Fuminori Abe. It's just a cool fucking match. It's really cool to have the two of them on a tour like this and to see them go at it. Um, I wasn't necessarily a fan of like how they booked out some of this stuff. Like three draws back to back on one day. Really? That's such a choice. Um, I wasn't a fan of that. So like this part of the of the day definitely fell a little flat for me. But um, I did really like that um, Iwamoto Abe match. And then I, of course, liked um, Dan and Sato because there is like the emotional weight of just evolution there hanging in the air. Yeah, then versus Sato was, was, was very good. Of course, they know each other very well. And uh, it showed, I think. Um, both of them uh, did everything they could to make the other look good, especially Sato. And um, I think this, this was the match that showed me in particular, but I think to a lot of people, that Sato, that uh, Dan is really learning how to face every kind of opponent. Because, I mean... Is um is uh, the bruiser guy is the, the guy who comes in the ring and beat the shit of his opponent, and um, Sato is not exactly the kind of guy against whom you have this kind of match. So it was very interesting. Uh, it had shooty phases, which were which were also done very well, and uh, I think this was a small little banger. But uh, um, the other the other junior matches, despite the fact that they had all these draws, I think they were all pretty good. I like them all, but this one was the best one to me. For Tag League, I just want to quickly shout out the Glee duo versus Suwama and Hideki Suzuki. The ending between Suwama and Haito was beautiful. The amount of lariat, Suwama just going Suwama mode. Um, really, really fun and really makes me think, why is Haito not in all Japan? But the match I'm going with is the main event. So Tokyo Yankees, Tachibana and... Kirishio versus Honda and Anzai. I thought this was so fun. Tachibana was the MVP in this one. I really have a soft spot for this team besides the entrance. I can't stand the entrance. The always amazing Shinkiba crowd loved Tachibana and erupted when he got the pin. The ending sweepers where Tachibana and Honda went at it with elbows and pin attempts was great. Tokyo Yankees were always going to get an upset pin because um, that's just the kind of team they were. But because it happened in the main event of uh, an All Japan show, and at All Japan's favorite venue, Shinkiba, it made it that much special. I really love this too because, again, like you can't find a bad new period match. But I think where this this might have been where I started to get frustrated, or maybe it was like the match after I can't remember. Um, I did not understand uh, the, the like the the win loss record in the end for new period. Um, Especially Honda, I think, was more confusing to me. Honda ate a lot of pins in this tour. And I started to get suspicious of how many pins Honda himself was was eating because I started to wonder if, like, you know, especially uh, we talked about at some point tonight, Jake Lee doesn't have a match yet as of the 10th um, for Noah's big show in January. Are they trying to keep um, Anzai primed to step in for um, the Ariaki card? And that's why he can't eat as many pins as Honda on this tour. I'm not sure, but I thought that that was notable. And I, and I didn't quite understand that because he just had a remarkable Royal Road tour and then had the incredible defense against Yuma. Why is he losing this much and taking pins like this in this tournament? Anzai should be taking the pins. Anzai is still a rookie. He is a super rookie and he has a very different track than, um, Honda, but I just didn't necessarily agree um, with 
them losing to this particular team, I think, which is like what really started to make me go like, huh, that's interesting. I didn't necessarily understand. Um, once again, this happens to Honda in a lot of tournaments, I think, where I'm left kind of wondering, like, Honda gets all these like really interesting individual accomplishments. Um, why did he not get booked better in this next subsequent tournament? But I just feel like with Honda's track record as a tag champion, especially, like, he should have had a better showing in this. And if anything, you have Anzai eat some of those pins, given that he's a rookie, unless you're protecting him for an Ariaki appearance against Jake Lee. I'll say, too, in terms of heavyweight matches uh, for the tournament, I really, really liked Nakajima and Omori versus Cyrus and Ryan Davidson. Um, I think that there were a couple of performances for Cyrus and Ryan Davidson that, like, really made me um, pretty high on them. I think one thing I'll say about Ryan Davidson is that, like, of people we see come in like Americans like come in as guests like Ryan knew how to play to a crowd I think better than some people do so he was really really good at playing to um I think crowds better than than others and I think that Cyrus was probably a pretty good guy to him because Cyrus does a pretty good job too but I think we saw a lot of this here I also really loved Katsuhiko in this sort of matchup because Katsuhiko is not a, a super big guy he talks about it himself so it's like not a huge secret obviously but like he's not a big guy um but he I loved watching him um figure out a strategy for how he's supposed to like you know go against some of these more super heavyweight teams he's really smart um with how he uses like his strikes and like trying to bring people down um so I just loved watching him figure out like a solution to a problem like that so I think my match of the of the night when it comes to the deck division was Cytos versus Eruption, because I think this is one of the cases uh, in which I like Tokatani as a character because he worked well within um, between the Cytos ongoing feud with uh, the DDT guys. So we now of course we have Ray working the the tournament in DDT. So there is an history between them, and I think it was very interesting and very intense. And also, I think this was one of the matches that showed the most how over the Cytos were and are. Because the way they reacted to everything they did was absolutely incredible. Um, to Ray when he, when he does, when uh, he shakes his arms and, uh, and bellows, the way the, the crowd goes with him, I think it's incredible. I think it is what wrestling is at, at, at the core. And um, I really like the dynamic of the match. I think this was absolutely my, my favorite match of the night. Moving on to day five, it was on the 23rd at Kira Messi Numazu. Asio Yaji defeated Ryu Inoue in 8 minutes and 9 seconds. Hikaru Sato defeated Koji Iwamoto in 8 minutes and 49 seconds. Fuminori Abe defeated Rising Hayato in 8 minutes and 6 seconds. Cyrus, Ryan Davidson, and Hiroshi Yamato defeated Takao Mori, Blackmanto Ray, and Dan Tamra in 11 minutes and 46 seconds. Suama and Hideki Suzuki defeated Hideki Okatani and Yukio Sakaguchi in 11 minutes and 3 seconds. Riku Honda and Yuma Anzai defeated Suji Ishikawa and Ren Ayabe in 13 minutes and 35 seconds. Kenta Miyahara and Yuma Oyagi defeated Kurisho Tokyo Japan and Seigo Tachibana in 13 minutes and 7 seconds. And in the main event, Katsuhiko Nakajima and Hokuto Amore defeated Jun Saito and Rei Saito in 18 minutes and 3 seconds. For J-Bog, I picked Sato versus Iwamoto. These two have wrestled so many times before in tags and singles, but it's still great to see them go one-on-one. I don't really have a lot to say about this. It wasn't my favorite day for J-Bog, probably my least favorite day actually, but the wrestling was great. It was fast, fun pace, and it showed that even though Sato and Ilmoto are the old guard, 
of the genius, they can still go. Yeah, I think that um, for me, I definitely liked Sato and Imamoto um, quite a lot. I also liked Abe and um, Hayato. So yeah, not a, not a ton of notes necessarily, but I did like those matches quite a bit. First of all, I wanted to, to point out the guy who was wearing great Muda's pre-match uh, headscarf in the crowd. He was very distracting, but he's my new source of inspiration, to be honest. Uh, when it comes to the junior match of the night, my favorite was Ayato versus Abe, because I think this is one of the matches that show how Abe is able to work with every other guy who has the most different style from him, because you can, you can get more different from him than, uh, than Ayato. But he kept the pace very well. And um, it was for a mid-tournament uh, show, it was a very good match. For Tag League, I picked the main event. Uh, Nakajima and Omari defeated Junior Ray Sato. So going into this match, both teams haven't lost, but someone was walking out with a loss. The Satos look super dominant, especially against uh, the TC champion, Nakajima. Both teams were great, but I think the Satos especially. I did really enjoy Nakajima trying to cut down June with kicks that ended actually with him on the ground and still spamming kicks. The most important part of this match, though, was the relationship between Omori and Nakajima. Omori removing his own shirt himself instead of getting um, it ripped off his body by Nakajima. The shoulder pat he gave to Omori when Omori said he will start, it's such a small moment and it happens a lot in other matches. But with these two, you can just feel how big of a step it was in their team. And Omori covering Nakajima's mouth when he wants to speak and not getting an elbow in the face um, was great. Yeah, this was like the big turning point, I think, for their relationship where uh, Hokuto started earning um, more of Katsuhiko's respect. And um, yeah, it's interesting. I think that this relationship is, you know, the way that it played out is is very intentional. Obviously, looming in the background is the New Year Eve, New Year's Eve, rather, um, triple crown match between Katsuhiko and Kento and they have a couple things at play like you always have Katsuhiko and Kento's relationship and the things that they've said looming in the background about each other um, but the lead-in to um, this period was Kento and Hokuto having a very public sort of spat about each other um, and Hokuto sort of naming Kento as his terrible senior so you have all these things coming into play and then you have um, Katsuhiko sort of taking um Hokuto through the ropes of this and sort of mirroring, I think, in a lot of ways of like the type of relationship that maybe Katsuhiko wanted, you know, him and Kento to have, but like didn't really work out that way. Like there's like a lot of things at play here that I think is meant to make you think of like the different parallels between um, him and Kento and then also meant to, I think, infuriate Kento because um, those two are working together. And yeah, so it's all, I think, really um, interesting. I think that it's good for Hokuto Amori who definitely, I think, struggled at certain points in this year. It's like they gave him things to run with, and then things just kind of wouldn't really work out. Um, and especially with the move to heavyweight, he definitely needed something like this to um, to make things interesting for himself and to kind of give him that, like, boost of story. There's a few other people that, like, would be, you know, more instrumental to work with in this way, I think, than Katsuhiko for him. Um, though I think that he's still such a... He's funny. He has a lot of personality, but he's still such an awkward guy in the way that he performs. And I, I, I hope that moving forward, maybe that some of that will be maybe tampered down, but that might just be him. I don't know. But I do think that this has been um, a good experience for him. 
Um, and I think the matches themselves have been, have been great. I think that like, this has been a real shot in the arm for him for sure. So yeah, definitely this match was quite good. The Saitos looked amazing versus these guys. And it's been so cool to see the Saitos like really come into their own this year in like a bunch of ways, but they are now wrestling competitively with people who maybe a year ago, I don't think they could have kept up with. That's how much they've grown in a year in terms of their skills. Um, it really shows that this was a, you know, a great, um, great match. And then in the co-main, of course, you've had Kendo and Yuma um, versus, um, you know, Kershio, whatever, and Tachibana. That's like sort of interesting if you like keep in mind like all the stuff like with Kento um, and Kershio, right? Like that kind of history too. So like they definitely played on a lot of that in that match. So you had quite a bit of history um, going on in these matches. Yeah, I think the main event was the best match, but I have a couple of notes about another, a couple of matches. Uh, Tokyo Yankee versus Aces at the longest entrance I've ever seen in my life. I think it took like six minutes for both teams to get in the ring. It was, it was absurd. With uh, Yuma coming in with uh, with the shirt, uh, with the blue shirt and the tie, it was absurd. And also, I think the most impressive uh, I've seen Rena Yabe to this point was the match against um, against New Period. I think this is when uh, I I've always been a Rena Yabe guy. I think this was the match when I started thinking that you can do really good thing with him because uh, he grappled well against uh, a guy like Anzai, which is basically in his uh, he grappled well with Anzai, which was, uh, of course, uh, one of his um, biggest draws. And um, he's learning how to convey the fact that he's huge. He's starting to eat, to eat harder, and uh, it is important. Because when you are that big, in a promotion like Old Japan, you have to be strong, you have to, to, to hit hard. Otherwise, you will, never, you will never emerge. You will always be the guy, the weird guy in, uh, in the promotion where... where there are weird guys who are also great. So it is a, a tough position to be in, but I think it's, uh, it's coming into its own. All right. So we'll move on to day six, which was on the 26th at Shonen Fujisawa Market. Fuminori Abe defeated Ryo Inoue in seven minutes and 20 seconds. Koji Iwamoto versus Rising Hayato went to a 10-minute draw. Chichi defeated Zones in seven minutes and 40 seconds. Giant Enoshima Man... Shin Ichiba and Shiryu defeated Kento Miyahara, Yuma Aoyagi, and Black Menso Rei in 12 minutes and 56 seconds. Hideki Okatani and Yukio Sakaguchi defeated Hayato Tamara and Galena Damal in 10 minutes and 52 seconds. Cyrus and Ryan Davidson defeated Ryuki Honda and Yuma Anzai in 2 minutes and 42 seconds. Katsuhiko Nakajima and Hokuto Omori defeated Kurushio Tokyo Japan and Seigo Tachibana in 13 minutes and 29 seconds. Dan Tamara versus Naruki Doi went to a 10 minute draw. Hikiro Sato defeated Atsuki Aoyagi in 9 minutes and 57 seconds. The main event was Suwama and Hideki Suzuki. They defeated Jun Saito and Rei Saito in 7 minutes and 41 seconds. Uh, for J-Wog matches, I'm going with Abe, who defeated Inoue. This was such a good opener. Both were super fired up. At times, it did feel like two-on-one with Abe versus both Inoue and Wada, but it didn't really bring the match down as much as it should have. We were talking a couple months ago how Inoue is either teaming with or facing the astronaut boys, Abe and Namora, and how it has worked wonders. Hopefully it continues and it will continue with uh, New Chronicles E show. And it's only going to get better for Inoue from here. I just want to say before I make my choice, I'm going to be controversial and I don't like the vegetable market as um, a venue. (laughs) 
moving forward. I thought that like um this one was frustrating because it's just not shot particularly well and it's just like the it's not balanced particularly well either with like it's it's half indoors, half outdoor, so the lighting is kind of weird. Um the hard cam situation was really tough on this one. So I know that this one is very popular with all Japan Twitter for just the bizarreness of the gimmick of it all, but I'm going to go on record and say that we got to move away from the vegetable market because I did not find this one to be that enjoyable to watch. This is another one too, where like, there's just so many draws and like, that's fine. I guess I didn't necessarily, I know that the, the math has got to work out somewhere. Um, so that's fine. I think, um, I think that the Dan Tamara and Naruki Doi draw is interesting in hindsight, right? Because it works out for the very end. So I'll say that's interesting in hindsight for sure. Um, and I will say too, just like, cause we haven't really talked about too many of these matches. It's not a junior match, but the tag match um, of like Kento Yuma and Black Menso Ray against like um, those guys, like Giant and Oshima Man, um, Shin Ichiba and Shiryu. That was a very fun and entertaining tag to watch. Um, so silly. It was just pure silliness, but like truly a performance from all of those guys. Um, Kendo was was ridiculous. So that's one to go back and watch if you skipped it to save time because it was so entertaining. I agree with the camera angle, which was weird because last year the camera was put in a different place. I seem to remember it wasn't this distracting. This year it was very, very distracting. Um, for the junior matches, I really liked um, um, Sato versus Satsugi. I think it is. Uh, it, it basically followed the blueprint of their typical match, but they had to adapt to this, this shorter formula match, the shorter match formula. And um, this makes, made the match a little bit more compact and snappy. And um, also, considering that, as we were saying before, Atsuki is not the best at selling. Having a shorter match can, can help him. And I think in this case, it helped him, it helped, it helped him a lot. Mm-hmm. I will agree with the camera angle. It was just very, very awkward. And when people stood up, you can't see anything in the ring. They just block the camera. I wouldn't mind if they used the vegetable market um, for just like a throwaway mid-month show. I'd rather a tournament show um, be in a different venue. But once a year, I, I can handle once a year. For my tag league pick, I'm going with Suama and Hideki Suzuki defeating the Saito brothers. This was messy. It was crazy. Um, but it was perfect for the venue and these two teams. Suzuki came to work today, which was appreciated. June and especially Ray looked like they were just having an absolute blast. Ray yelling at full volume the whole time made me realize we need one of our favorite chaotic six-man matches with Kento on one side and Ray on the other just to see how loud it gets. The whole performance June does where he takes down his hair is mesmerizing and one day he's going to get the same reaction Jake did or even louder. So I'm showing off that killer swarm slide at the end with the double chops and Larry. It was great. And he even got Dan and Sato involved in the match, which was a surprise. This was another loss for the tag champs and another potential team that can challenge, but fingers crossed they don't. I don't want to see Suwama and Hideki Suzuki as tag champs. Yeah, this was their big turning point because they had struggled with each other the whole way. And then it was something about the vegetable market, the vegetables that they were given after the (laughs) show that just brought the odd couple together. They're so fucking weird. Um, Their hugging was really funny. Um, Yeah, but it it was a good match. It was, you know, I think it was a good match. Um, definitely not a team I, I want to necessarily see um, 
challenge, but we'll see how that all kind of pans out. Um, I don't know if every, anything was like that spectacular. I mean, like I really did like the Katsuhiko and Hokuto Mori um, match, which was against Kershio Tokyo and um, Sego Tachibana. Like, a good match. Like if you're following the Nakajima Amori story um, pretty closely, that stuff is great. Their backstages are great. So that stuff is always going to be entertaining. I will just say that um, I was frustrated by how quickly Cyrus and Ryan Davidson dispatched New Period, which is another one of those choices for me um, in the booking of New Period during this tour, where it's like, you know, you just came off of like this great, like sort of we're here, we're going to be challenging um, our seniors, like we're the new, we're the new, you know, era, whatever. And then they get booked really kind of strange in this tournament, including like the Geico Kujin having this like huge win over the both of them very quickly. I think it's the length of time that bothered me more than anything else. But just again, like some of my nitpicking with like exactly how they booked some of these guys. I want to say that I don't know what they're trying to say to us, but every time there is a, a squabble in a team and they set up their differences, you know, Japan, there is always food involved. <laughs> First it was it was it was uh, evolution's rise. Then it was the salmon brought from uh, Brutisei. Now it's the cabbages. I don't know what they're trying to say, but I think it's very interesting. <laughs> and um, my match of the night for the for the tag division was the was the main event basically. Saidos uh, versus Swam and Hideki. I think it captured well the weirdness of the of the venue because if you if you book a show in a place that weird, you have to to embrace the weirdness. So the um, when they went uh, outside to beat the shit out of each other, these kind of things, I think this is what this kind of place requires. And um, it was charming. It also reminded me a lot of uh, reminded me a lot of those. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen those handled match and handheld match. That you get, you could find on uh, forums and such from the '90s. Those uh, untelevised show that uh, you could only see this way. This reminded me of those matches. So it, it was charming. It was a charming experience, mm. despite the, the the agonizing camera angle. I will say your observation about the food is so smart and so spot on. <laughs> food heals all in this company, really. <laughs> Now today seven, it was on the 29th at Korokan Hall. Like Manso writes, Kaomori and Yoshitatsu defeated Minoru Tanaka, Askiyagi, and Rising Hayato in 10 minutes and 58 seconds. Hayato Tomorrow and Galana Domal defeated Kurushiro Tokyo Japan and Sego Tachibana in 12 minutes and 25 seconds. Hideki Okatani and Yukio Sakaguchi defeated Cyrus and Ryan Davidson in 7 minutes and 59 seconds. Rui Inoue defeated Karasato in 7 minutes and 49 seconds. Nuruki Doi defeated Fuminori Abe in 5 minutes and 50 seconds. Koji Omoto defeated Dan Tamurai in 8 minutes and 19 seconds. Suji Ishikawa and Rena Yabe defeated Katsuhiko Nakajima and Hokuto Omori in 12 minutes and 9 seconds. Soma and Hideki Suzuki defeated Riki Honda and Yuma Anzai in 12 minutes and 41 seconds. And in the main event, Kento Mihara and Yuma Aoyagi defeated June Sato and Rei Sato in 15 minutes and 19 seconds. So for J-Bog, I have gone with Nuruki Doi defeating Abe. And a quick shout-out to Ri Inoue for him picking up his second big win of the tournament against uh, Saito. But I do have to go with this match. These two are just masters at their craft. And they put on such a fun match in just under six minutes. Doi was just being the little shit he is, playing to the crowd every single chance he got. 
And I love the finisher where Doi uses um, the momentum of Abe to reverse the pin in his favor. Doi gives Abe his first loss in his tournament. And it was just a fun little match. Yeah, same for me. I mean, I really liked the Doi and Abe match. Um, it was great. There was some great stuff in this one. They had a great finish in this one, too. Um, this could have gone either way. Loved it. I think Doi is is masterful in what he does. He brings so much to um, this promotion. I think we're pretty lucky to have picked him up once he left Dragon Gate. And Abe, of course, is just tremendous. Um, and anyway, is, is also fantastic. It's so cool that he finally beat someone like a Hikaru Sato. It's great that they're starting to move on him. Um, they've obviously m- moved much faster on, on Zai than they've moved on anyway. Anyways, had to struggle a lot more, but that's going to be a character note for him um, to be sure moving um, through, I think much of his career. So it's cool to see him pick up some wins here that are significant, even though he wasn't going to, you know, there was no chance he was going to win here, but uh, I mean, in terms of winning the tournament, but it's great. He got to pick up some significant wins for sure. My favorite J-Bog match of the night was, you know, versus Sado. I think it was intensity the match. It was very, 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 very intense. It seemed like you know we wanted to kill Sado, and um, Winter beat the absolute shit out of the out of the young kid. And this reminded me a lot of uh, some of uh, Sado's old work with Hiroshi Yamato. When they faced when they faced each other, when they team when they used to team together, they were an amazing team because they were very intense. And this matchup really reminded me of that dynamics. And um, I still think that when Sado goes full intensity, is almost unmatched. He's one of the best juniors around. And uh, also, I, I mean, it is, it's easy to point out how big this, uh, this win was for Inoue. And uh, I think it's uh, almost unheard of that Arugi gets this, this kind of victories one after the other, which is incredible. They are huge on him, and uh, I think they're absolutely right. Inoue is, a, as I said before, is a star in the making. Totally agreed. And I like that he um, avenged his loss to Sato in the last J-Bog. He lost in like less than two minutes. So I'm really happy he won here. For tag team, I'm going with the team of Ishikawa and Ren Ayabe, who defeated Nakajima and Omore. This team and the Tokyo Yankees team are the spoiler team in every tournament. They need to balance out the points. So I did not think Suji and Ayabe would win here, but they did. And it was just so enjoyable. I love Nakajima kicking Ayabe over and over again, just like he did to the Satos um, until they were on the ground. It's like he was chopping down a tree. The dropkick Ayabe landed on Nakajima got the crowd excited and he looked great. Ayabe still looks kind of like a goofball. He still he looks like he's growing into his limbs. Um, he'll get there one day. He only started wrestling in 2020 and team with Suji will only help him grow. And this match started Nakajima and Amori's losing streak. Yeah, definitely a change in the um, story here, but they had to do some balancing out in terms of the points and actually give you some drama going into the final day, even though I think for the majority of it, it was pretty obvious what they were going to try to do with the final day, um, given how the how the matches worked out. But um, yeah, I don't actually remember <laughs> the matches from this day particularly well for some reason, but um, I do know that I, I did like... Um, the business tag versus um, June and Rei Saito main. Um, I do also remember really liking Suwama and Suzuki versus um, uh, New Period as well. Um, and then I did really also like um, Ishikawa and Ren Ayabe versus Nakajima and Hokuto Amori. Um, Ren Ayabe, like we need to spend a lot of time and energy and money just signing him away from 
um, his normal promotion, but Ren Ayabe is someone that we should have picked up ages ago. I agree. I agree. And my match of the night for the tag teams were, was Saidos versus the business tag. I think this was uh, this worked as a, a little bit more compact version of their big match when the Saidos won the belt. Um, this match had one of my favorite spots of the tournament, which was uh, Ray um, getting a towel from one of the ladies in attendance. Used used the towel to to strangle um, Yuma, I think, and then he gave back the 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 towel with uh, with a bow, which had a great reaction from the crowd. That was very funny. The match itself was great, and. Um, um, I think all in all, it was a, 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 a simplified version with more bombs, less less time, obviously, which worked, which worked very well, I think. The crowd interactions between the Saitos um, and obviously the audience now are are really, really fun. When you watch them do that stuff and the crowd gets into it them, it is like a really appealing part of what they do now. It's just super entertaining. They're incredibly over people now in such a short span of time. It's awesome. I agree. All right. So we're going to move on to day eight, which was on uh, the 2nd of December at uh, Item MA in Matsuyama. Uh, Koji Iwamoto defeated Ryo Inoue in four minutes and 24 seconds. Hikaru Sato defeated Fuminori Abe in six minutes and 52 seconds. Jun Saito and Koshi defeated Atsuki Aoyagi and Imabari Tao Mascaras in 10 minutes and 46 seconds. Uh, Suwama and Dan Tamara defeated Black Menso Ray and Carbel Ito in 10 minutes and 46 seconds. Kurushio Tokyo, Japan, and Seigo Tachibana defeated Shuji Ichikawa and Ren Ayabe in 10 minutes and 51 seconds. Hideki Okatani and Yukio Sakaguchi defeated Katsuhiko Nakajima and Hokuto Omori in 10 minutes and 51 seconds. Ruki Honda and Yuma Anzai defeated Hayato Tamara and Galeno Demal in 13 minutes and 3 seconds. Cyrus and Ryan Davidson defeated Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi in 22 minutes and 2 seconds. And Rising Hayato defeated Naruki Doi in 9 minutes and 49 seconds. So quick shout out to Hayato being a hometown hero and picking up the win. Um, in the main event, he seemed really happy to be back in his hometown. He was doing a lot of promotion. He, I think he even said on Twitter, like, he was nervous about performing in his hometown, which was really cute. But I got to go with Sato and Abe. A couple of years ago, these two had one of my favorite matches of 2021. This does not rival that one, but it is still good. I find these two so fascinating. They go from serious ground-based start to looking like little kids play fighting, and it ends with full and slaps and headbutts. Sato gets a submission win, and Abe taps out straight away. These two are strange, but amazing wrestlers. Yeah, the Sato Abe match was very strong for all the reasons that Jesse just listed. Um, but Hayato getting to main event um, the show, I think, really was a story in and of itself, especially against someone like Doi and then getting the win there. Um, I thought that was really significant. So I would choose this match, frankly, um, based off of that. Yeah, I agree. I also choose this match for this kind of, for, for the same reason. It was very significant. And also, Doi did the best uh, he could to make Hayato look cool, which mm-hmm. which worked very well. It was it was very cool of Ultraman. It's very cool that Hayato got to our main, and it's this second main he had with Doi from the year. So these two work well, and they get the main event. Yeah, that's that's very cool. For tag league, I'm going with Ricky Honda and Yuma Anzai defeating the Glide team. 
Um, my review is just stop putting T-Hawk in tournaments and start putting Hayato in instead if we need someone from Glades. Hayato stealing Honda's 1-2-3-4 bid and then intimidating the referee with his peck dance was just stupidly funny. Honda getting the roll-up pin was good. I just wish he hit the final vent on Galeno or tomorrow because these are big guys and the visual would have been awesome. New period, always good for sure, but I definitely went with Hideki Okatani and Yukio Sakaguchi um, with Katsuhiko yeah. Nakajima and Omori, but um, there was like no other choice, frankly, in my mind. I mean, I think that Sakaguchi and Katsuhiko were tremendous against each other um, just alone, so um, it was always going to be my, uh, I think, favorite match of the night just based off of how they interacted, and I wasn't disappointed. I could have watched them grapple for probably a full hour, frankly. Um, so yeah, based on that alone, that was my match. My favorite one was also New Period versus Bork Orchestra. I think that uh, they went out and beat the shit out of each other for, for, for the, entire, the entirety of the match, which was what I wanted from the match, honestly. A lot of meat, very fun. I liked it a lot. Moving on to day nine, it was on the third at Osaka Edion Arena. Riki Honda and Yuma Anzai defeated Hideki Okatani and Yukio Sakaguchi in 9 minutes and 16 seconds. Kurushiro Tokyo Japan and Sega Tachibana defeated Cyrus and Ryan Davidson in 8 minutes and 15 seconds. Aran Sano, Hikaru Sato and the Bodyguard defeated Black Manso Rei, Izanagi and Rising Hayato in 10 minutes and 22 seconds. Hayato Tamura and Glana Demal defeated Katsuhiko Nakajima and Hokuto Mori in 10 minutes and 34 seconds. Askyo Yagi defeated Fuminori Abe in 8 minutes and 5 seconds. Dan Tamura defeated Ryu Inoue in 8 minutes and 27 seconds. Yuriki Doi defeated Koji Iwamoto in 8 minutes and 53 seconds. Jun Saito and Rei Saito defeated Suji Ishikawa and Ren Ayabe in 14 minutes and 3 seconds. And in the main event, Suama and Hideki Suzuki defeated Kento Mihara and Yuma Aoyagi in 14 minutes and 46 seconds. My junior battle of glory match I'm picking is Dan Tamura and Ryu Inoue. I love these two together. Dan has been there for Inoue's big moments. He was Inoue's debut opponent. And the first match Inoue had when he was debuting his now kickboy persona. Inoue looks super impressive here. He was dominant to start and his kicks were crisp. Honestly, they look better than Aski's kicks. I'm always rooting for Dan, but I really wanted Inoue to get the win here. But this is the end of his second J-Bog and he did amazing. He picked up two big wins and managed to draw with Doi and was my MVP for the whole tournament, including Tag League. I thought it was the best out of everyone. I'm really proud of him in the J-Bog and looking forward to more growth from Kickboy anyway. And I wasn't keeping up with any scoring, so I had no idea this win gets Dan into the finals of J-Bog. I um, didn't watch the show and then never doubled back to watch it because I just ran out of time. So you're you're all good, Simona. You can, you can take it. <laughs> My favorite one was Dan versus Shinawa because I think the, those two were the two standouts of the tournament and they faced each other in a match which was very, very intense, which is a thing I like, I like a lot, honestly. And um, this is one of the matches that made me think that Inoue was getting the hang of uh, his triangle kick because, as I said before, at the beginning of the tour, he was missing almost all the time and uh, or he was leaping on the, on the turn bank also. It was very good. It was a very, very, very nice match. I liked it a lot. Not watching this show, Alicia. You missed the bodyguard <laughs> singing with his beautiful singing voice. <laughs> I gotta work. <laughs> For Tag League, I'm going with uh, 
Haito and Galano defeating Nakajima and Omore. I need a singles match between Nakajima and Haito. Gosh, these two went out like they hated each other, which is what I love. It was great. Galano and Amore had a really good closing stretch where Amore nearly got Galano out for his finishing move. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this shocked the crowd. It shocked myself. Amore has looked so good in this tournament, and this tag team between them is just my favourite. I didn't even think about them when I was picking our winners. I just I looked over them, but they've just been fantastic. I had the same notes about Tamura and Nakajima because Tamura seemed to want Nakajima dead. He went for the killing. Every time he, he saw Nakajima, he saw red. He wanted him dead. But my match of the night was actually New Period versus Eruption because he had a very good pacing. He had the meatiness, which I like in, uh, in this kind of match. And uh, I think Onda and Okatani sold the show. And in particular, the finishing stretch was, was very fun. This is one of the matches, along with the others that I mentioned before, that made me think that mm, this Okatani guy, he gets it. This was, this was a very good showing for him. I think it says a lot, the strength of this tournament, that um, you guys didn't even have to reach for like a Suwama versus Kento type of tag, right? As like your favorite of the day. So I think that says a lot. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. It was uh, it, it had a nice variety. It was a very fun tournament, despite all the problems that this kind of tournament has, but it was yeah. very fun. Yes. <laughs> I just want to say with your pick, uh, Simone, we need an All Asia challenge by Anza. Uh, well, yeah. I know they brought, they're bringing Otani back into the All Asia scene. I hope that's just a one off. He disappears <laughs> after this. But um, they have pretty much lost a couple of uh, matches to important people in All Japan, Eruption, and I would like to see them challenge someone from All Japan. At least have a challenge in All Japan. All their challenges have been on DDT, and I don't watch DDT. Yeah, um, Onita's grip on uh, on the All Japan on the All Asia belts is uh, it's very sinister. He's right now he's looming over the belts, so I don't know what will come out of this situation, but we'll see, I guess. We'll see, indeed. Some big question marks there on some of the undercard titles, to be sure, but. We're going to get into day 10, which was on December 6th at Cork and Hall. And this is the finals of Real World Tag League, but also JBOG. You had Fuminori Abe, Hikaru Sato, and Koji Iwamoto. They defeated Atsuki Aoyagi, Rising Hayato, and Ryo Inoue in 8 minutes and 12 seconds. Uh, we had a Gaura TV title match for, um, you know, the first time in 37 years. We had Minoru Tanaka, who defeated Black Menso Rei, um, Takao Mori, and Yoshitatsu, 7 minutes and 45 seconds. You had Kurashio Tokyo Japan and Seiko Tachibana. They defeated, or yeah, they defeated Hideki Okatani and Yukio Sakaguchi in 11 minutes and 10 seconds. Then you had Hayato Tamara and Galeno Demal. They defeated Cyrus and Ryan Davidson in 8 minutes and 50 seconds. And then we had the Junior Battle of Glory finals. That was Dan Tamara defeating Naruki Doi in 15 minutes and 30 seconds to win the Junior Battle of Glory for the first time. Then you had Shuji Ishikawa and Ren Ayabe, who defeated Suwama and Aki Suzuki in 12 minutes and 15 seconds. You had Ryuki Honda and Yuma Anzai. They defeated Jun Saito and Rei Saito in 14 minutes and 42 seconds. And then our real world tag league finals were Katsuhiko Nakajima and Hokuto Omori. They defeated Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi in 20 minutes and 30 seconds, um, which gave both of them their first real world tag league wins as well. So before 
Swedish tournament, the All Japan Twitter asks people to comment on who they think will win. They tell them up and then reveal who was voted first, second, and third. Dan was voted first this time, and the fans were spot on. I just want to move to Doi a bit because he is fantastic. We have had a lot of guest appearances in the junior division in the last two years, and I think Doi has been the best one. He has really leveled up the division, and working with him has always produced a great match. Dan is the comeback king of the juniors. He worked as an underdog, and it suits him. It just works for him. He is not as flashy as the others, but that's him, and that's why we love him. When he hit the first power bomb and did not cover straight away, I thought, that's it. Doi's got this. I was proven wrong. There was another power bomb shortly after. Dan winning is just a feel-good moment, especially since he was runner-up last year. I know a lot of people, including myself, thought it was going to be Haito. I thought he was definitely winning, but I was so happy for Dan to pick up the win. He goes on to face El Lineman at Yoyogi, and hopefully we see Dan enter the new year as junior champion. Yeah, I thought that Doi was absolutely the right person to put over Dan at this kind of critical match point for him. Like Doi, as we've sort of mentioned before, is just such a veteran. He knows how to call a match and lead someone through it to make them look as good as possible. And that's exactly what he was doing here for Dan. Um, He's just also a phenomenal wrestler. Um, But I think Dan did a really good job in this one, despite like some awkward parts. But I I think that's just sort of Dan. I'm not sure he's ever going to be a completely polished guy. And I think that's going to become okay more so over time but I did think like I said before that this wouldn't be his big um J-Bog year I thought it would be next year um I'm always slightly worried that he's not quite ready um because there's a lot more that goes into I think being the face of your division than just winning the right things right so I'm I'm interested to see but um I'm just deeply grateful that this company is investing in all of their young talent and building them and moving them up the card in like these very meaningful and demonstrated ways and especially because dan has worked hard for years for this and been such a loyal hand to this company so it was tremendous to get to see him have this moment i do hope he beats el lindeman i'm so fucking tired of um not seeing him around and like you know not for nothing katsukiko is also a freelancer um and was still in real world tag league right like he still participated um lindeman is doing you know whatever he does in glee or glate rather but like why are you not in this tournament? It's it's just bullshit. I get that that's probably as much a character choice as anything else, but it's just frustrating. It's been a really frustrating, I think, run of guys like him taking the belt and holding it um, and not really contributing to much like the way we've seen Doi contribute to so much in this company this year. So yeah, fuck all Endeman. Let's hope Dan um, takes that belt from him and that'll be great. Yeah, let's hope so. I, I had not, not nothing against Lindemann before this whole shit show, but now I can't stand him anymore. I don't think he's a bad wrestler, but um, the way he, he portrays himself is very annoying. I don't know. I, I think I think it is kind of the point. But uh, in this situation, when we have this kind of lovable juniors, um, it clashes a lot, which, again, maybe it's the point, but really, I can't stand him anymore. Also, he's not around. So when you have a champion who is not around, it is not, you lose a lot, I think. And uh, let's hope this this finally ends on uh, on the um, New Year's Eve. Uh, about the match, yes, I loved it, and uh, I was on the edge of my seat for the entire second part of the match. And apparently, I was not the only one because I th- I think that uh, the Japanese fans were all behind him. And um, um, as a matter of fact, also the guys from overseas, because on on Twitter I've seen a lot of people invested in the match. And um, I, I concur that we need to give props to Doi because he's done an incredible, incredible job first as a champion 
and then now in this tournament. He's putting everyone's over, and uh, he did everything right. I liked him a lot, and I hope he sticks around, honestly. I love just how awkward Dan is a bit. If you remember when he won the All-Asia belts, he dropped them the first time he held it up. And backstage at this show, he almost dropped the trophy. He'll yeah, get there when, one he, day when, when he's, he going, when he's going out. Yeah, what a weirdo. <laughs> he is a weirdo. That's his, like, it's so his charm. I don't think he's ever, and, like, that's also the charm of All Japan. Like, there's not a, almost a single guy you can point to on that roster who's not a sincere weirdo. They're all really weird, but that's the charm of like this crop of, of guys in all Japan and why I think they mesh so well. Um, and I think also why inherently it's sucky to watch an L Lindemann type of persona, um, like just like hold this belt over their heads. Cause like we have like these juniors who are like so wholesome. So like, you can really just like kind of love these guys and like really get behind them. And then you have L Lindemann walking in in his like shitty little suits. And he's like, he's so fucking like just like toxic looking in terms of how tan he is and like he's so not like this group of like wholesome guys right like i think that's probably i don't know there's got to be something to that certainly but like it's just not it's not the vibe of like you know our band of weirdos in not only the junior division but also the heavyweight division you can't point to a guy in the heavyweight division who's not a weirdo as well i absolutely love that everyone or japan is just a weirdo that's why we love them. Um, Tagley, I thought pretty much every match for Tagley was great, especially the last three, but of course I have to go with the finals. The stare down, Kento gave Nakajima for the bell rank, who just smirked at him, was everything. It perfectly captures these two. Mori's journey has been amazing, going from zero wings in J-Bog last year to winning Tag League and getting the pin that wins Tag League. And his other journey with Nakajima was just it was just beautiful. You know, like we said before, Nak didn't want to tag with Omore. He said he'll do a solo. But over 10 days, we got to see them develop and work with each other, which led to Nakajima showing respect when they won. It was really such a beautiful story. I hope more people recognize it. This match itself was great, but of course it was. A high-stakes match with Kento and Yuma teaming is always going to end up fantastic. Yuma recreating the Nakajima corner spot was just peak Yuma and just everything it was nowhere near as graceful as Nakajima, but that's what made it great. Every time Nakajima and Kento got in the ring, it's just special. These two just have this magic with each other, and I'm so glad that All Japan was Nakajima's first spot on his freelance journey, so we get more of that magic, but Omori was a star. This was his journey, his redemption, and let's hope it leads to good things for him in 2024. Yeah, I thought this was a tremendous um, final. It was just so cool to see so many things come together in terms of all these different storylines that are really compelling um the payoff to um hokuto during this too was so great like he was so emotional when um when they won like you could see it like in his face and in, like in his voice and stuff and like that's always great to see like this was clearly a journey for him um you know not only within this tournament but just this year i think of like really getting his footing under him um and having something that was definitively his so like it was just he he did great like he put in an incredible performance the entire way through this tournament um and put up with like all kinds of booking hijinks with or storyline hijinks with, with Katsuhiko so 
Um, I thought that was great. I love that they also signed the camera. I haven't seen that done in a while too, but like that was such a cool touch to make it feel like a big deal and to make like Hokuto really feel like a part of this moment um, with Katsuhiko. So yeah, tremendous match. I loved how just vicious Katsuhiko and Kento were when they weren't even like really tagged in with each other. Um, they knocked each other off the apron constantly and Kento was really vicious about this, um, which was cool. It kind of harkened back to what the parts of the Tokyo Dome tag between them that I really loved, like that, that vicious hard hitting um, type of stuff because their one night dream singles match was built much differently in terms of the pacing and how they um, wrestled each other this was much different um, and Kento had like much more of an edge to him here um, than we saw I think in One Night Dream which was again built differently so yeah super cool Yuma was great he needed to have I think some levity and he provided the levity um, his shutter chance was just terrible and that's that's Yuma um, so yeah good stuff I'm really curious to see what happens when they go on to face the Saitos I honestly can't tell who's going to win um, that one at this point um, I think it depends on a couple of things and we do get the triple crown match before we get to the tag match. Um, so this is quite interesting. I don't know what it says if Hokuto comes as far and then doesn't win the tag belts, but are they really going to um, put Kendo or rather put Katsuhiko over Kento and then also give him the tag belts. I have no idea. Um, there's so much, um, I think, on the line here, and they could go a bunch of different ways. But I'm really curious to see where Hokuto can go um, from this, not just from the standpoint of like winning more accolades, but also the work he needs to do to really bring himself up to the next level. Yeah, 100%. I've also thought that this this whole card was tremendous. I love this mm -hmm. show from top to bottom. I, I thought it was this was very very a very very special special show and uh, i especially liked how the last two matches of the of the guard were completely different but i think both were bangers because uh, the saitos against new period was a, a bomb fest they beat the shit out of each other for um, 20 minutes i don't remember the length but they they went hard while the final obviously had uh, the very different vibe it was more of a slow burn it was the it followed the more traditional epic formula, which is expected, of course, of a final. And uh, it was the coronation for the moment, of course, of, of uh, the, um, the path that uh, Oguto is walking right now, because he's had these highs and lows. He's had these problems uh, in the beginning of the year. And right now he's, uh, he's on his road to become, I think, a very huge part in, uh, in future of Japan. I think they're convinced that they have a little bit of a star in him. They're going the slower road with him, uh, as opposed to what they're doing with uh, Honda and Danzai. But I think it, this uh, is related to the fact that Honda and Danzai are much more, I don't want to say obvious talents, but it is kind of how it feels. They, you, you look at Ryuki Honda and uh, Yumanzai, and then you see you have two stars in them. They are 100% going to become superstars. Ogudo is less obvious, but um, while he was very interesting as a rookie, um, he was a little bit of a late bloomer, as opposed to the other guys. And I think this this work they're doing on him, uh, it is very interesting. I think it's paying off. And uh, I think uh, we will have a main eventer in a, in a I don't want to say short notice, but pretty much, I don't think we'll have to wait much longer for him. Uh, he's 28 or 27. 28, 28 is the age uh, in our Japan where 
you are basically allowed to to do big things unless you are called Ondor and Zai, of course. So I think uh, we are going to see some interesting things coming from him. I completely agree with you. I think that we are going to see great things from him. I think that if he really takes this period to heart, he has to take what he's learning to heart and really apply that, I think, to his character and to his performances. And I think he'll go very far. Um, I do want to mention two of the newer guys. Um, the match with the Saitos, uh, new period, Honda and Anzai. That win was like a big win for them to defeat the reigning um, tag champions. We'll see where that goes eventually. Um that was a great moment at the end because after they won, um, they had like this beautiful moment of like hugging each other and like, it was just like so refreshing to see um, that to me, like they were what I looked forward to the most. Like every date was the two of them because they were so good and so good together, but it's just so nice to see them work together and gel and have that kind of charisma um, together. Cause I think that we're going to get so much mileage out of the two of them. They are two very different wrestlers and very different people, but they have such an interesting relationship and I'm excited to see what comes from there. And I also don't want to miss saying that one of my favorite matches on this really, really good card, as, um, Simone mentioned, um, Ayabe and Ishikawa versus Hideki Suzuki and Suwama, that ended up just being like, just violent giants times four sort of action like that was great 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 shit um such a fucking good match if you just want to see four huge guys just knock the shit out of each other um and then you had like again the odd couple bullshit of Hideki and Suwama like paying a lot of respect to each other Hideki is going to carry Suwama out of the ring and then immediately drop Suwama when he's trying to carry him out and then they bicker the whole way to the back which like again this team started off on the first night pissing me off because I thought that they fucked around too much and almost cost um Amori like a, a big you know sort of note on pinning Suwama but like they were funny and I don't mind them as like a pairing together at all um I like Hideki Suzuki around in all Japan but um that match in general was a very good match to watch on this card yeah I was saying it was a very good match I agree every match on this card was great I thought everything just hit yeah, everything you said, I agree with. I just want to uh, give a quick shout out to Dan and Doi. They got down on the mat and they showed respect to each other after the match. I forgot to include that in my review, but um, it was just a really, really touching moment after Dan got this big win. And Doi, he's the one who gets the crowd to boo him, but here he was showing respect to Dan and that was really sweet. So now it's December moments. We have no Jake Lee update for you this month, but instead something exciting you might have seen. Alicia and Rachel had that amazing opportunity to ask Jake Lee some questions. The interview is posted on their website, kickout299.wordpress.com. If you haven't already, please check it out. Ashino injury update time and it's great news. Announced on day eight of Tag League, Ashino will be making his return to the ring at All Japan's Yogi Show on the 31st of December. He will team with T-Hawk to face Sego Tachibana and Kurushiro Tokyo Japan. All Japan will be holding public tryouts at Shinkiba on the 21st. Last time they had public tryouts, we got Jun and Rei Sato and Ryu Inoue, so look out from any news for that. And All Japan's president has announced for the Triple Crown match on the 3rd of January, the winner of Kento versus Nakajima will face a special assassin he has prepared. Do you have any ideas or guesses or even people you want to show up? I have no idea. I have no idea what they're they are working towards. I really... Can drop my hand around this thing. I really have no idea. 
I can see a million different scenarios from the shit posting ones to the more serious ones. I really, I really have no idea, honestly. I'm curious, a lot curious. The wording of special assassin is throwing me off. I don't know how to read into that. And that's why I'm being hesitant to um, make a, a real concrete guess. I mean, my, my assumption with the timing of Ashino coming back is that he'd win his tag match Katsuhiko would defend against Kento and then they would have a match and that would make sense to me because there's history there there's W1 history there um and that would be a big match I think that they could do a lot with that kind of singles match um and there would, I think be a lot of speculation about whether or not Katsuhiko would drop it right to Ashino who's really owed a triple crown match anyway um based off of the timing of him winning champion carnival and having to um go out with that injury so that's what I thought but like what would be the point of of having him come back anyway and kind of having that hang in the air regardless, but then saying, I'm bringing in a special assassin? Like, that can't be... They could be the same thing, but maybe they're not. Special assassin, the wording of that is really throwing me off. I'm just not sure. I didn't like this announcement at all. I hate when All Japan uh, do these announcements because All Japan fans can't handle it. We have gone through so much hardship. I want a concrete um, announcement saying... Uh, Nakajima or Kento is facing this guy or we'll reveal it tomorrow or something I can't stand this stuff like this is just giving me anxiety like who is it going to be if I had my choice it would be one of the Noirs. I hope Naoya is almost healed up um, but I'm just well I don't know if we know that for sure because I think people are forgetting that Naoya was late to getting his mm. rehab and surgery because of the swelling in his knee that was his last update so he might be done being healed he might be considered a special assassin, but I'm not comfortable saying that um, he's healed because the last time we heard from him, his surgery and the rehab were delayed because of the swelling in the knee. True. It's just, oh, there's just so many bad people going through my head who it could be. And it's just like, please reveal it. Like, don't make us wait any longer. This is like with Kanto's special announcement. I hate those. So stressful. Every- Every time he had an announcement, I actually messaged Lewis. I'm like, Kendra's leaving. This is it when he's leaving. <laughs> and it turned out to be like a hashtag, like his announcement. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Or his YouTube channel. That was bigger than an hashtag, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Had a little more meat to it. <laughs> yeah. Now we move to what's coming up in December slash January. Before the year is up, we have two shows to go. Rising High's host New Chronicle Z2 will be held on the 21st. It's a show where every wrestler has less than 10 years experience or is from the same generation as Hayato. Both the first and second shows um, is sold out. The first one sold out, the second one sold out. So it's a great sign. People want to see this. And what could be called the biggest show of the year, AJP Mania X will be held on Yoyogi on the 31st. And the show will be main evented by Nakajima versus Kento for the Triple Crown. And we are still waiting on the card um, for that show, probably. I think, like, two matches have been announced. January is the start of New Year Wars Tour. The first show of the year starts with all All Japan wrestlers in the ring with their new tracksuits. Look out for any new signees, as this is the time when they're announced. The tour is over four days on the 2nd, 3rd, 14th, and 27th of January. And now we're going to talk about match recommendations. And I thought because Ashina is returning, I would recommend a match with him in it. I went with one of my favorites from last year, and it is Ashino versus Honda at Champions Night 3. It was a last man standing match, a rare gimmick match for All Japan. This will always be the match where Honda tries to stab Ashino. I can never get that out of my mind. And Ashino winning 
with just spamming German suplexes was such a different approach to the usual last man standing match. It was a great ending, a great match. And at 12 minutes and 30 seconds, it's not long. So please seek it out. I didn't know which match to pick because I didn't know which which time period to, to pick. So I'm going with um, uh, the last year Champions Carnival final. So to get reacquainted with uh, Ashino. Because it was a nice story also, because it was uh, the guy holding the fort against the the, foreign, the the outsiders, with Nagata being champion and Tiok being the the opponent for for the final. Him winning the the belt was was a good uh, was a good thing. Of course, things didn't didn't turn out well, but so to get reacquainted with him uh, is a, something nice to to watch. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, if I had to suggest match, I always go with uh, Suama versus Taiyokea, Champion Carnival 2012. It was one of my favorite matches of the, um, of that period in particular. I don't know. I, I go all over the places with uh, with this kind of uh, this, this kind of things. Now we move on to our end of year awards. Joining us to give their opinion on 2023 All Japan are Des Wari and Lewis. So go ahead and introduce yourselves, please. Hi, I'm the Smiling Wizard on Twitter. Um, I post thoughts on All Japan shows as they happen and then roleplay being a dead account until the next show rolls around. Thank you for having me. Hi, I'm Lewis. I'm Hideki Suzuki's Purple Trunks on Twitter. Um, Unlike Des, I just have a bullshit stream of conscience most of the time when I'm tweeting. It doesn't really matter much of the time. Sometimes I'll have the odd occasional good thought. Thanks for having me. I'm very happy you're here. So Rachel has given me their picks and I'll be reading them out. So we're going to start off with Tag Team of the Year. And my Tag Team of the Year is someone I didn't like at the start of the year. If you go back and listen to uh, Talking Triple Crown January, you'll hear me say I don't like them. But something clicked media, and it is the Sato brothers, Junior and Ray. It's weird that myself and a lot of other people had this view. It went from dislike to like. They got better and better as you went on. And if you haven't seen their taxi series on YouTube, please seek it out. Outside the ring, they're just big goofballs who love animals and food. And Rachel's pick was New Period, Yuma Anzai and Ricky Honda. I'll agree with you, Jesse. I was a little torn on Tag Team of the Year. I was between business tag and the Saitos, and the only reason why I picked Saitos is just because they feel more like they have a tag team focus with Taxi Meishi. They had the great tag team belts on them for almost the whole year, and now the world tag team belts. Whereas while the business tag had the world tag team belts on them, it just felt like another belt. It just felt like a prop while they were coming out, and they had incredible matches with so yeah, Saito Brothers for sure. <laughs> I feel like doom. that's gonna be the pop doom. I feel like that's gonna be the very popular um the choice amongst the folks that we have on this call. We do have like the two like Saito Brothers defenders on this call, which is great. Um, I personally did go in the end with new period. I know that they're a newer team, but I've been really, really, I know, sorry, Lewis, but I'm really, really impressed with, um, how well Honda and Anzai have meshed. I'm kind of obsessed with them sort of leading the charge with this newer, younger gen, um, in all Japan and also leading the charge in like this post next stream era and kind of having to step up against some of these um, these figures that we know of as the ones having to lead the charge, but now they're having to be the wall for um, the younger guys. And I just, I love, um, you know, 
their performance in the um, the tag league. I love all the things that they built on in that. So yeah, I had to go with them. But I do want to give a special mention to Nomoyagi, which like really didn't get to launch this year due to um, the injury that poor Naoya suffered um, right at the beginning of the year there and kind of forced them to drop the belts and such. But um, what we got to see of them was, was I think really magical, but also there were some little important moments, I think with them. And especially in that last match they had where they dropped the belts. I think so much of the images I think of when I think of all Japan this year are like now, yeah, really not able to walk out on his own after that match and Yuma carrying him out like that to me is the essence of Nomuyagi, but also like this very important aspect of all Japan for me. So they get an honorable mention to be sure. I was, yeah. So for the people listening, I made a face when Alicia said that because I wasn't expecting everyone else to ha- like already defend the honor of the Saito brothers and and pick them as options as well and then double it back with New Period who I thought, oh, maybe I could choose them. So I'm going to go with Business Tag because they were like, for me, um, <sighs> is going to kill me. They're probably the tag team of the year for me, I think, personally. I think in terms of just workload, it's pretty undeniable in terms of how much they've done. And I was just looking back last night on all their matches that they've had this year, and it's honestly astonishing just how much they've done. But, yeah, I, I mean, you're really hard-pressed to find to not find a, at least compelling team to make this argument this year. I feel like this has been a very, very strong year tag-wise for the entire company. I think that all um, all your various options are very valid. I think all those teams were incredible. I'm going with Saito, so obviously, because <laughs> I mean, I shit post a lot on Twitter. I'm 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 pretty chaotic about them, but I actually think that they are a great team. They are they are the crossover of two great legacies of all Japan, which are the the big bad gaijins that were around in the late 80s and early 90s. And also we have this uh, this big tradition of uh, giant sumo guys that goes from, from Teru and so on and so forth. And I think they they meet exactly at the, at, at the center of this, uh, this cross-section. And uh, they improved greatly. If we use the Tokyo Sport standard, they are still rookies because they consider within three years of career one a rookie. So considering they debuted two years ago, I think what they are doing, it's incredible. Uh, the tournament they had was, I think, astonishing because there were uh, incredible matches. There was great character character work from both of them. I'm a little bit um, more biased towards Ray because I think he's, he's a beast. But I think even June is uh, improving a lot with his character. And uh, I'm very happy that to see that people are turning around uh, about them. I'm very happy about it. As one of the biggest Saito apologists on Twitter. <laughs> okay, so now for tag team match of the year. And my match takes us all the way back to January and it's Kento and Koya versus Yuma and Naoya Nomura. I rewatched it recently and it's still fantastic. This is probably the first All Japan match of the year that got heads turned to All Japan. Many people had it on their spreadsheets as match of the year candidate and it ended up as my tag match of the year. It is just so good for amazing wrestlers, just giving it their all. It's really a fantastic watch. If you haven't seen it, seek it out. And Rachel's pick was Kento Mihara and Yuma Aoyagi versus Atsuya Aoyagi and Rising Haito from the 17th of June. 
So I will go with Rachel's pick as well. I loved the business tag versus next stream. And I'm a, I'm a sucker for anything next stream. And so this gave me my fix for 2023 and maybe 2024 as well. And I just, I know I've talked about this on my Twitter quite a bit, but my biggest, what if moving into this match and out of it was what if Hayato and Atsuki beat the business tag and won the tag titles just to see how that would change things. Especially at the time, Hayato had just come off hot from the All Together Again show and his showing there. And Atsuki was also very popular there. So I was really curious to see how that would go. And maybe it, maybe it could happen in 2024, 2025. We'll see about that. Um, I'm not going to be super original. I'm also going to go with Kento Miyahara and Takuya Nomura versus Yuma Aoyagi and Naoya Nomura. Um, I've referenced this match like... I think many times over the year um, on my Twitter account, it's just outstanding. It is like everything that I think one could love about um, all Japan in the modern era. Um, it's just outstanding. Um, this could easily be my like all Japan, like match of the year too, but I'm going to talk about um, something different when we get to that part, um, I guess, or at least heavyweight match, but um, it really is a phenomenal match um, and it did set us off onto like this kind of like, what, you know, what are we going to see this year? And I think that um, that tone kind of stayed the entire year, just not in the way that we thought because now you got injured, but it was a really beautiful moment for Nomuyagi to, I think, win those belts off of those two. Man, yeah, you've all done really good work for me here as well, because I had a coin flip I had to do. I've got a coin in my hand that I was going to have to flip in terms of what choice I was going to make for, for my match. But um, I think uh, Simone might even choose the other. I had four options. I think he, he might end up choosing the last one, so that's fine by me. Um, I guess it's recency bias to a degree, but business tag versus Katsu and Amori uh, made me very teary and, and emotional. So I think... That has got to be it for me. Uh, the other options were incredible. I mean, um, Takoya and Kento versus Nomayagi is probably, probably would have been my pick as well. And um, Atsuki and Rising Hayato versus Business Tag is another one that was on the list as well. In, again, like I said before, just insane year for tag team matches in terms of the quality that was being put out. Um, but yeah, I think I have to go with the, the finals of the Real World Tag League. I'm going to go with uh, Nomura and Oyagi versus Nomura and Miara because I think uh, you were right. Uh, I don't remember who said it, but um, I think Jesse who said that the, the, that was the match that brought people attention on All Japan this year, and I, I, I agree. I think that people started paying more attention on All Japan on, on that basis of that match, and I agree. Um, I was pretty torn ab about this match and another one, which, I mean, Saidos against uh, the, the Aces, where, this, where the, the Saidos won the belt. But I, I think the, the other match well, it was still uh, the severe one. I'm so surprised no one chose Suwama and Shuji uh, versus the BJW guys. I was like thinking somebody on this call would choose them. Yeah, yeah, Smiley probably would have. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But it's just, yeah, it's just like that's what I mean. Like it, this year, I now and now saying that, I'm just thinking of all the other options that that run through my head as everyone's kind of put them in. It's just been a stacked year for tag matches. Like it's insane. 
Okay, so now we move on to junior heavyweight of the year. I thought about this for a while. I was tossing up between Rising Haito or Dan, but then something clicked. Like, who do you want to see the most? Like, who do you look forward to seeing the most? And it's actually Ryu Inoue. So he's my pick. This year, he has stepped up several levels. He's got a new look that suits him so much. He revealed his secret advisor is Kawada, of all people. <laughs> he's picking up more and more wins. He is so much fun to watch for me. He gives it his all in every single match. He even had his first title match, which um, wasn't that great, but, you know, it'll get better. He is my MVP for J-Bog this year. I thought he did a fantastic job. I was just captivated by him this year. And for Rachel, they picked Ryzen Hayato. So just like you, Jesse, my list started off with Dan and Hayato as well, but I ended up thinking a bit more about it, and I settled on Naruki Doi. So I had not watched a whole lot of Doi prior to this year. And so he blew me away as soon as he showed up in All Japan. And he would like go into these matches with pretty much no build. And the crowd will still be riled up at the end of it, you know, booing for him or, you know, cheering for his opponent. And I think all of that, plus the great wrestling that he brings to the table and experience that he brings to the table. He's my junior wrestler of the year for sure. I did go with Rising Hayato. Um, I think that his, like, and, and it's not surprising. We've talked about him at length on um, the show this year. Ultimately, I went with him after debating between a few people, which included Dan, included um, Rio Inoue, you know, those type of folks. I think I went with Hayato because um, his command of character is pretty incredible. Um, he does it on a couple levels too. It's like what we see when he's performing, but also like what he's doing on TikTok, what he's doing on Twitter. Like he's really, really smart. He's very sophisticated in terms of what he's built for himself. And when he went from what he was doing before to changing this character. And um, I just think that he's so smart in the sky is the limit with him. Um, I think they're going to probably... Um, hold out as long as they can in terms of giving him that that big moment finally when he wins um the junior belt because they can capitalize that on a million different ways so we might be waiting a minute um but he is just a tremendous talent and i think that he's only going to get smarter and better and more sophisticated in terms of the the package he presents but he's already so good 100 yeah <clears throat> i'm in agreement. um i think looking back on this i really I do, I do want to vote for Dan. Um, I think he has, especially this year, come leaps and bounds in terms of what he can do in the ring. Um, I think he's always kind of, like the story for him has been going on since last year. I mean, I think back to when, you know, Suwama was beating the shit out of him um, with Voodoo Murders. And that's been, uh, to get to this point now, uh, a long, long story. But you can't deny uh, Rising and how much of a command he's had over this year not only in the ring but also just as a booker and running the shows that he has and will run at the end of this year like i look i whatever whoever is actually if, if it's him or not in terms i think i'm pretty sure it is him deciding it like the the lineups are incredible and have like some of my favorite people on them that typically don't feature in old japan so i have to thank him for that and if he's going to get the vote based purely off that as well I was pretty torn about about this one because I it was pretty much a coin flip, a coin toss for me too because I was torn between Rising Gaiato and uh, Dan Tamura. I think Rising Gaiato will lead the charge next year, so I hopefully you can never know, but I hope we we will see him becoming champion next year. So I'm going this year with Dan Tamura because I think he improved a lot, he improved a whole lot, and. Um, 
his attitude, he really changed his attitude. Um, some people said that uh, um, then changed when he faced the DDT guys, when he faced uh, Akiyama, Okada, and he beat the shit out of Okada. And I, I think that's pretty much where um, he started getting his um, the grip on his new character that he's having right now. And uh, I think in the ring, he, he's improved a lot. He, I love the final of the General Battle of Glory. And uh, I, I think the best for here for, for him is yet to come because he's still improving, he's still finding his footing. But uh, but I think he, he will uh, he will become a star. I generally think he will become a star, and I adore him. So now it's junior heavyweight match of the year, and my pick is the same one I made at the mid year awards. Is Asayagi versus Katara Suzuki from the fourth of February? This was Asuki's first reign, and him facing the old guard of juniors. We had Kaz Hayashi. Takamas, Minoru Tanaka, Hikaru Sato, and now Suzuki. This was so great. It was very fun, very fast, just how I like my junior action. Asuki was having to fight for everything, and there was a crazy amount of pin reversals that kept everybody, including me, on edge. This will be Asuki's last successful defense before he loses to Doi, but his first reign, it was a really, really uh, great reign. And Rachel's pick is Rising Haito versus Asuki Oyagi from the 6th of August. Um, keeping on the trend of being torn between multiple different options, um, I was torn between the many great junior tag battle uh, matches that Dan Tamura and Doi had during that entire tour, but I'm also going to settle on Atsuki versus Kotaro Suzuki. Like His first reign was just so special with him trying to take out all the legends, and I think back then everyone kind of knew but didn't want to say that Atsuki, it felt like there was a lot of things that he was missing during some of his earlier matches with the selling. His offense is always great, but his selling especially was lacking a little bit. But I think this Kotaro Suzuki match, he had already said that like Kotaro Suzuki was his idol and he came in, you know, ready to sell, do his absolute best and it showed throughout. And it sucks that after that he he lost to Doi, he beat Doi, and he lost to Ishida and he's kind of just faltered around after after that a little bit. Um, but I think he'll come back for sure in 2024 and have a good showing there. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I mentioned, I think, at the halfway point that I really liked Hayato versus um, Naruki Doi. But like Deswari, I have to talk about um, Atsuki versus Kotaro. Um, that, for me, just had like all of the story right like they built that so well with him being such a fan of Kotaro um and he was really great on Twitter about like he posted like his photos of like him and Kotaro at um uh venues together when like when Atsuki was really young and like things like that really work in terms of like building a little bit of a story around the match and um just one of those like moments um after the match where like Atsuki's standing in the ring and watching Kotaro um walk out of the uh the venue like Things like that, I think, tend to stay with me because there's like this, you know, emotional impact of like what Atsuki has just been able to achieve for himself and being able to defend the junior belt against his idol. So um, that that match definitely stayed with me this year and is the one um, I would like to highlight for junior match of the year for sure. Ooh, yeah, I'm about to be the low man on on some of this stuff. Um, I found this year harder than others to be as invested and as, as I probably previously would have been in the junior ta- uh, junior title scene and junior heavyweights in general. Um, they were definitely high points for me personally, 
but I think, and I don't think I'm alone in this thought, uh, the domination of outsiders with this title. Doi, welcome, welcome change. The current holder, not so much. Um, but I, I did find it a bit suffocating at times to watch uh, title matches uh, just due to that reason. Um, the annoying part of me wants to nominate Atsuki versus Kaito uh, Ishida as, as my match. But I think for me, it probably is Atsuki versus Naruki Doi when he won the title back, which was, I think, the 29th of May from memory, which was a really great match. Um, I really enjoyed that. Doi has been, um, I think, of all the companies he's shown up in, which I, predominantly it's just been DDT and All Japan from what I can tell. Um, I think he's put in so much work whilst in all Japan. And I think the fans of all Japan really, really get behind him because of that. Uh, and he's yeah, super welcome to come back and stay or stay as long as he possibly wants um, as, as an outsider. There's others obviously that we all know that are not as welcome at this time, but um, I think that probably is my match, which is Atsuki versus Doi. I agree with Luis uh, about the Lindemann effect. I'm struggling with him. Um, I'm not that that huge about him in general, but I think this reign is is a lot weaker than the Doi than the Doi, the Doi one. And uh, while Doi was used to elevate all the other guys, I think Lindemann is not that great at, at doing such a thing. And um, I don't know. He comes across as annoying, which I believe it has to be the point. But uh, um, I. Kinda can't stand him anymore. And um, as for my match of the year, I have a, a tons of levels of uh, bias, but I'm going with the General Battle of Glory final because I think that completed the story which was told in various phases. And um, I love the match. Um, I love the story. And also, as I said before, to me, then is the um, is the star of the year when it comes to juniors and. Uh, Hopefully he will he will get the belt, but of course we, we will never know. Not until the the match, of course. And um, so I'm going with Dan Dan versus Doi, the final obviously. So now for heavyweight wrestler of the year, it's going to be no surprise, but for me it's Yuma Oyagi. I think he had a fantastic year. He wrestled at the Tokyo Dome, main event of all together again, two times tag team champion triple crown champion, and he was once a six crown champion for that small window we had a six crown champion. He has been elevated like crazy this year. People are taking notice, and it's about damn time. And Rachel also picked Yuma Aoyagi. So um, my wrestler of the year uh, for the year is going to be Kento Miyahara. So even though he was not triple crown champion for most of the year, the company still kept him busy with these high-profile interpromotional matches with all together, the matches against the NOAA team, uh, Naito, singles match against Katsuhiko. And I said it earlier, um, and I think it stood true at some points throughout the year, that when Nagata was champion, Kento still felt more important as a champion. That goes because I, I feel like that was the case because of his like consistent quality of work and just of how outspoken he is. And also he is an incredible commentator, which we'll get to soon, I'm sure. Yeah, it's it's hard in um in every sense not to to choose Kento or not to at least talk about him. Um I do want to say that like 
Kento more or less becomes my honorable mention this year, which is hard um, just for his impact and like overall presence um, and just everything that he did with, you know, the, the Muto show and his, I think um, I'll reference this on the, the uh, kickout end of the year too. Like the promo he cuts um, after the tag match when he's backstage at the Muto dome show is easily, I think the best promo anyone cut all year. Um, hugely emotional, hugely impactful. Um, so there was a lot of that this year going for him. And then of course, like the whole like spectacle of one night dream and that, but I do want to highlight Yuma as um, my heavyweight of the year. I think that he had a tremendous um, triple crown run. These were really, really strong matches. Um, I can't remember in a while um, someone who has come out the gate in their first heavyweight run and had matches this strong um, each and every single one is a great defense and shows just how good of a wrestler Yuma is. I think that right now there's so much going on in All Japan. I think people are getting a little bit lost in um, what's going on with Yuma Anzai and already looking past um, Yuma Aoyagi, which is really, really frustrating and something I could rant about for like at least an hour, but we're just, we're not going to go there right now. But um, it would be such a shame to not highlight how good of a champion um, Yuma was this year, how much he did as champion, how many um, eyes he did get on the promotion himself with Kento taking the back seat to allow Yuma to have that space to be um, the champion. But also, um, you know, he is helping to usher in that new era of All Japan. There is like this real sense of momentum um, between um, what he is doing at the top and what he's helping to usher in. And then you have like these guys coming up behind them, which is great. You want to see that but also Yuma's heart. Like he really is the heart of this promotion in a way that is so different than um, his peers. And like, you can reference like when he wore Naoya's sash into the champion carnival and like used um, Naoya's finisher to beat Kento for the first time. And, and he did a lot this year. I mean, Jesse highlighted all the amazing things that Yuma got to accomplish this year, but like Yuma really did it all. And um, it would be such a shame to um, see him not get his due for how much he was able to accomplish this year and really how much he did for all Japan. Also, Aoyagi FM is better than the Kento Yuma channel. Uh, Kenta YouTube. <laughs> oh my God, I messed that up so much. <laughs> we Kento knew what you YouTube meant. channel. <laughs> we knew what you meant. That's a controversial opinion, but they that they are very entertaining YouTube. We had the YouTube wars this year already with both of those guys getting their own channels. I think I want to give an honorable mention first uh, because I feel like I personally have come a very long way on this person. Um, Raiki Honda has, for me this year, whilst he's not going to take first place, the amount of change that he's undergone and um, development he's undergone, uh, both personally and in, and, and in tag teams over the last year, uh, is incredible. I think um, much like the person that I did nominate in first place, um, I started off being like, eh, I'm pretty whatever on this person. I, they don't really do it for me. And then they just a, a fondness and love grows for them over time as I watch them kind of develop into who they are as a character and as a person in the ring. Um, but my first place is also Yuma. Yuma, uh, I think, has been pretty much untouchable this entire year um there's stuff i'll get into when we get to match of the year uh heavyweight match of the year that i think is like unfortunately was overlooked by a certain moment and that's a shame but um i don't think it's a coincidence and i've talked to a few people on this call about this but i don't think it's a coincidence that his title reign starting and the real jump in um 
new fans jumping on or just buzz around the company coincide one another. I think he's done an incredible job um, being champion this year. And I think because of that, not not solely, but a, a huge part of that is due like the popularity that the company is now holding at the moment and the excitement that fans have for it, I think a, a one in one. Yeah, I I have a couple of, of honorable mentions too. Uh, the first one is Kanto, because even if this wasn't his biggest year as a results, uh, as, as about results, but uh, it was the, the face of the promotion for almost all the year for the, for the inter-promotional stuff. Also, I love how uh, he retweets everyone on Twitter who says, this is my first show, I love it, etc., etc. I love it. It is so wholesome. And um, the other honorable mention is Ryuki Honda, because as Lewis said, this was a breakthrough year for him. And uh, of course, he's still obscenely young, so his time will come. He's 23, I guess. He's, he was born in 2000. He's, he's incredibly young. And uh, his time will come. And uh, obviously, the, the heavyweight of the year has to be Yuma, because what he did this year is incredible. I think, and uh, I think uh, I said it before on Twitter, um, this is the best reign, especially first reign, as first reigns go, uh, since Kanto Miara in, in 2016. I'm definitely sure about this. Also, uh, he brought a lot, of new, a lot of new eyes on the promotion because everyone turned in to see who, is, who was this guy, this new face. Also, he was the youngest five count of all time. And I think it will be hard to, to do better because 27 five crown is... It's not a big fit, and uh, it's not a small fit, and um, and yeah, and yeah, the incredible matches. He he was the the protagonist of the the thing that all Japan did this year that I liked the most. Uh, that is using um, big names from outside to boost the um, to boost uh, young guys. Um, they used Nagata for Ryuki Honda, but also for uh, for Yuma Oyagi, and he capitalized this at. At an incredible level, so I think it's to me it's a no-brainer. So for heavyweight match of the year now, my match is from October twenty-first. It is a triple match between Kento and Yuma. There is so much to say, but not enough time. So I will just say Yuma looks so dominant. He normally is the one getting beat down and making the comeback, but not here. He had Kento's number. Kento was down on the mat. He looked like the biggest star. It took Yuma a long, long while to beat Kento in a triple crown match, but he did it. And this match was just so great. I just loved it so much. And Rachel picked Kento Mihara versus Takuya Nomura on the 3rd of January. So my match of the year is what I feel a lot of people's match of the year is going to be. And that is Yuma versus Nakajima. I rewatched so many matches from throughout the year including Yuma versus Nagata. I watched that, like, I think twice just to see, like, how does it hold up to Yuma versus Nakajima? And both matches, I realized, had this, like, high-stakes level of urgency that I feel like Nakajima's match with Yuma was able to capture even more so in-depth and get the crowd riled up. And it also helped that Kendo was on commentary just freaking out at every single move and putting both of them over it was just um it was a different experience that we don't really get to see very often that we've seen almost i think twice this year and it was it was a welcome one of that yeah absolutely um 
I got stuck between a bunch of matches. I could have easily referenced my tag match as, as like the match of the year too, uh, or heavyweight match of the year. But I want to reference two matches, I guess. Um, Ryuki Honda, I've been, I think, very outspoken about how much I love him um, and how talented I think he is for a while. Um, so I, I really thought that Yuma versus Honda for the Triple Crown was tremendous. That came in, at, I think, at the end of September is when we saw that match, if I'm get, not confusing um, my my dates here. But um, that match was tremendous. It was so refreshing to see um, Yuma really, like, as, like, the champion, like, in control of that match with Honda from the younger generation stepping up to him. And they had, like, just a violent match. Like, they're always so good against each other. And it's always brutal. And it always looks great. And I thought that they were just tremendous together. Um, there's just, like, um, when you watch the two of them together, you can see how much there is on the horizon for this promotion when you have guys like that at the helm. Um, and it felt great to watch those two main event, a successful show. And Kendo's, you know, Kendo's not there, right? Like it's it's Yuma and it's Honda. And like that stuff is really important um, as much as um, I also adore Kento. Um, the other match, much like Des, I have to say um, Yuma versus Katsuhiko. I mean, that was like... That was a tremendous match. Um, Kento and Nakamoto screaming on commentary the whole time did add a lot to that. Um, it makes you jump out of your seat um, as much as what is going on in the ring because of the way that they're reacting to everything. Um, but there was so much that to say about that match and that um, with Nakajima coming in and having like all of this sort of, you know, buzz around him as you know, he's coming out of Noah. He's a freelancer for the first time in a long time. That could have, I think, like really snuffed out some of Yuma's shine. And that was was my concern going into that match and assuming that um, Katsukiko would probably win. Um, I don't think it did, though, because Yuma looked tremendous. Like he put up a fight for his company um, in that match and kicked out of the vertical spike, which was tremendous. Like, um, I think it was Katsukiko using the diamond bomb to finally put Yuma away, which was a great detail to carry over from one night dream where Kento won't, or rather Katsupiko won't use any of the diamond office moves against um, Kento right now, which is a great detail, right? To bring into that. He'll use it against Yuma. He won't use it against um, Kento. So things like that made that match just really tremendous. And again, like it, you, you had like a whole, like there was a whole great list of matches you could have chosen from Yuma's reign and all of them would make sense to choose as your match of the year. So speaks to Yuma's strength as a triple crown champion this year. Hundred um, <clears> percent. <throat> I have an honorable mention, uh, and I, I feel like it's one that a lot of people forgot. Um, and it's fair enough. I mean, in terms of defenses, it's pretty like me- I don't want to even bad mouth him just because of what, how much work he's done in the last couple of weeks. But the Amori defense is probably the only one of Yuma's defenses where you're like, that was good and not incredible. Every other defense, I feel like you could say that about. Um, my honorable mention is Suwama versus uh, Yuma for the title. I think for me personally, every time Suwama goes into a title uh, challenge, he has the same effect um, as I spoke about with Alicia on the episode about Nakajima. You like realistically could see him potentially winning that belt um, just because of who he is and the history that he has. But there is a backdrop near fall in that match that made my heart go into my mouth. Um, and I think it's like really underrated. Again, somebody that Yuma has history with uh, and him overcoming them in this year, I think it just talks to about how much he's kind of progressed um, as a single star and as as a champion at that point. But my pick is also uh, 
Kento's challenge against Yuma. I think I, I love what we've had so far from Nakajima, but the moment that they chose for him coming in to have that kind of continuation of the story with Kento did slightly, I feel like, take away from Yuma in his very, very big, un- can't be understated moment um, of beating Kento in that title match. Um, I think this year specifically is the year where we can all look at the company and go, if Kento, for whatever reason, wasn't there uh, and isn't in the main event scene, which partially is true, what would the co- would you know? What would the company look like? How would they kind of be? And I think it's pretty clear at this point that, regardless of if he had to step away for whatever reason, injury, anything like that, I think it's in very safe hands at this point um, with the generation that's coming up. So that's my option: uh, Kento versus Humor. I completely agree. Um, to me, uh, I was torn between a couple of matches. Um, all all the matches you guys pointed out are. Very good. I think this was a good year for spreadsheet enthusiasts. There were very good matches this year. And my favorite one was the um, was Yuma versus Kanto, the, um, the defense. Because seeing Yuma finally beating Kanto for the for the Drupal Crown in the anniversary show, in the anniversary tour, uh, it, it was very, very satisfying. It was a big, a big part of a huge story that uh, is still unfolding, obviously. And I also agree that this year uh, showed us that uh, uh, even if uh, Kento, for whatever reason, uh, should go out for a while, Old Japan will still be fine. And I think this was uh, this speaks a lot uh, of the work they did for the past year and uh, year and a half. And um, I think it is paying huge dividends because we are seeing new stars literally booming under our, under our, our eyes. And, um, and so, yeah, Kanto versus Yuma. Now for a shocking moment. And for me, it has to be Nakajima showing up with flowers on the 21st of October. We saw the crowd react, so we knew someone was there. It was like a slow build-up before the camera showed Nakajima. But for me, it was a bit different. When Yuma got to his feet and the referee went to hold up his hand, my internet disconnected. Like, it just would not connect. I tried using mobile data. It wasn't working. It took me a long time get the internet back and to get back to AJPW.TV. And when I did, I was greeted with Kento at the barricade and Nakajima holding flowers next to him. I was like, what the hell did I miss? <laughs> like, where did this come from? I was shocked. And for Rachel, they picked Yuma Yagi and Naya Nomura appearing in Noah to challenge Congo for the tag titles. Um, I'm going to play off of another Nakajima moment was when Yuma was walking out for his match against Nakajima. And he's walking out the rock star and we're used to seeing, you know, the fool walking out with a big smile on his face and the thumbs up being thrown out to the crowd. But this time it was different. He didn't have a smile. He was just straight faced, focused. And like it, it was shocking because like I was, I was sad and I was like hurt watching that saying like, what happened to the fool that we all love? And yeah, yeah, that one, that one like really set the pace as well and the emotion for the match that was soon to come. That's a really good shout, Des. Um, I'm going to go with Kento apologizing to Masakita Mia and formally acknowledging his new name. Um, that's something that Rachel and I talked about um, extensively on our One Night Dream um, episode from, um, I guess we recorded that and released it back in July. Um, I think that 
that part of the story this year was really underrated in terms of how Kento and Masa were speaking to, to each other and how they interacted in between um, the match. I don't, I didn't write down um, dates on any of these because I guess I forgot to do that, but I can't remember when um, the tag was when um, Masa and some of the Noah guys came over. Um, I guess maybe that was perhaps back in March and we have to talk about that tag in a different way now because of someone who was included in that match who was no longer with Noah. But I don't want to lose how important that was that after Noah won the match, that Kento actually stopped and fully apologized for the way he spoke to Masa and then started calling him Masa instead of calling him Mitsuhiro, which is how he knew him when they were in um, Diamond Ring together. There was such character development in that for Kento and such an acknowledgement um, of of the wrong that he did against um, Masa. And I thought that was deeply revealing um, of certain, I think, aspects of the story that'll continue to play itself out as we see it move forward. Um, but also just, um, and, and Masa, you know, refuses him. Like he doesn't want to hear anything. And he's like, I'm done with you. I don't want to talk to you anymore. I'm, I'm leaving. Goodbye. And that part of it was also powerful too, that, you know, you can apologize as much as you want to someone and they don't have to accept your apology. So there were some really, I think, powerful themes that played itself out. Um, but yeah, Kento um, acknowledging that he was wrong, apologizing, and then calling him by um, the correct name, I think are all really, really, really powerful themes that I hope people still pay attention to. 100%. Um, <clears throat> Smiley, you're not here, but I got you, man. My pick is uh, Ashino winning the Champion Carnival for this year, I think. God, that feels like a lifetime ago now. But um, I think that has been something that has been brewing for a lot of fans, where whether you had Wrestle One um, attachment beforehand or not, or if you jumped on when he jumped on to All Japan, Ashino is somebody that has been sitting in this company waiting to explode in terms of what he can really, like, reaching his potential. It's a, it's, it's almost... Uh, a very all Japan way of things happening when it comes to somebody finally feeling like, okay, this is their moment, you know, here we go. And then something awful obviously happening. Um, it, it's happened quite a few times over the last couple of years with all Japan, which is a real shame, but it is somewhat the the way that things happen, but uh, he's almost back to us now. So that's good. But I think that's my pick of the year. I think um, Ashino winning the champion carnival and really capitalizing on what we all know he can do um, has been, probably my favorite part yeah it does feel like a lifetime ago it's true and um, I'm going with Nakajima um, throwing his bouquet of flowers uh, on uh, on Kanto's hair the, that show uh, happened in um, in Italy there were uh, the time was uh, three o'clock in the morning so I didn't watch it live obviously and the first thing in the morning I opened Twitter I saw Nakajima and it was kind of a big thing because it was not something completely unexpected. I was kind of expecting something similar, but um, to expect a thing and see it, see it unfold, it's it, it different, obviously. So I don't know how long Nakajima will stay in old Japan. There are various theories. Maybe we'll go to New Japan. Maybe we'll go to the US. We don't know. But I think uh, as long as he is in old Japan, that was a huge moment. And I hope they can they can bring the most they can out of him. They, they did the right thing giving him the triple crown. They they did the right thing giving him the real world tag league. Uh, using him to um, to help shaping that 
goofy talent that is uh, Gutomori. And uh, <laughs> I think they're doing the best they can with him. So now to our last award and the most important, really, is fashion moment. My one's a bit different. It's a bit weird. Um, I picked Yuma Anzai at the Tag League press conference. I'm obsessed with him in this suit. He looked fantastic and made me realise something, that he could fill the spot that Zeus left when uh, we don't actually have anyone who dresses best anymore. Yuma Anzai could be that guy. So this is an award for his suit and actually for encouragement because I want to see more of this. He could be our saviour for press conference suits. And Rachel picked Ricky Honda's new look. My pick for fashion moment was Kento's triumphant return to his break heart like costume this year. So for the longest time, he was wearing his Budokan gear, which I always said looked like the big bird gear because of the feathers that he had up there, the golden feathers. And I'm so happy that he's back to what I think is his best look. You really hated that old gear. That's so Big funny. Bird. You hated it. Um, I honestly forgot to consider the fashion moment category looking at my um, my notes that I wrote out. So um, I'll be super boring and just say that it, technically it didn't occur like in All Japan, but Kento was still representing All Japan. So I think it counts. But his one night dream presser um, uh, suit was outstanding. Um, Lewis is like laughing because like he knows that. Like, oh, I've heard all about it. <laughs> yeah, so um, he knows I really like this look, but it was a great look for him. It's a beautifully tailored three-piece suit. I mean, that's what Kento is is known for. Um, really bold colors, just love it. And I'll and I'll say too, um, Yuma had a slight like costume change this year. It's still kind of like the same, but like it changed a little bit. Um, but I think like the glitter blue that he does is like so nice. It makes him look so different from other people. So Yuma always looks good to me in terms of his like newer looks that he's been doing. Uh, very much like Alicia, I somewhat forgot about this, but um, I think my honorable mentions would probably be Honda's uh, spiky choker and was in a way's new look, Kawada inspired look this year. That was this year, right? Yes. yes. Okay. That, yeah. That's another one. But I think for me, it has to be uh, Nakajima's new gear. I think the combination of his old Wolfman gear with that of what he was wearing in Congo before leaving, I think the meshing of the two with the beautiful purple accents on the trunks are one of my favorite looks. I think I've seen this entire year. I think it looks incredible. So that's my that's my pick. If I knew he counted. <laughs> As all Japan right now as a freelancer, I would have I would have chosen He's him. Here. He, he, I, I he guess it's true. Belt. He looks outstanding. Yeah. He looks like a um with the all black in the coat, he looks like a feudal lord. Oh, it's incredible. It's yeah. very samurai, very fucking cool. I have an honorable mention, which is technically technically not someone we signed with all Japan, and it is Brudisei and his gimmick, whatever it is, with, with the salmon, which he still brings when he signs autographs, which is incredible to me. But uh, if I had to go with uh, one guy from Japan uh, for the fashion moment of the year, I would go with the Honda's new look. I know a lot of people hate is um, a lot of people hate is is his hair, is um, his choker. I think they're incredible. It give us it give us such an Akensuke Sasaki vibe, which I think I think it's obviously his main inspiration, right? His moves are basically. 
most of them come from from Sasagi. The Final Vent is basically the, the tornado bomb. He he used a couple of times the stranglehold, so I think it is not something that out of thin air. I think it is uh, something explicit. And so yes, I'm going with uh, my boy Honda. Good points there. And that is it for our awards. Let me know what you think. Uh, you know, leave a comment what your awards would be. I was just going to ask, does anyone have any uh, thoughts that they want to end on in terms of just All Japan's year? Anything to close with before we let you guys sign yourselves off? I was just going to say that this year was, I think, of my All Japan Pro Wrestling fandom of the last I think, three years or so, maybe the strongest one so far, just with how things have unfolded. And I think it makes everything going into 2024 look a lot stronger as well. I feel like the the playing field is a lot more even now, but it's not just being Suama, Jake, and Kento on top, but now it looks like, you know, Ashino and Yuma are also uh, possible channel, uh, real threats in that um, top guy scene. And you also have Anzai and Honda making a splash over there. So it's 2024 is looking like a good year to be an All Japan Pro Wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. So my take is that um, I've been watching for almost 20 years and um, I've seen a lot of high, of uh, lows and highs with Old Japan. And I think this is the whole test I've seen the promotion since late Mudo era when uh, they brought burning and so on. And I think the, um, there is a, a good feeling about watching Old Japan right now. There is a strong sense of, uh, of uh, confidence coming from young young players and um, seniors. And I think it's a beautiful thing. The crowd are basically eating it up because the numbers are great right now. And um, what I say, I hope they can keep it up in uh, 2024. Um, off the back of what Des was saying, uh, I think not just in Old Japan, but across the entirety of Pure, this year has really been a push for youth. I think I think a lot of companies have kind of realized that that is 100% what they need to be doing uh, in terms of getting their next generation ready to go and, and taking some shots on them right now. Uh, I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a company this year who has done it better than Old Japan. I think that entire class that kind of came through together, that being Atsuki, Hayato, Amori, um, I think Dam was a part of that four as well. All of them listen to this year. Um, Amori just scraping it in the end. Um, have taken huge leaps. And I think this has definitely been the year where all Japan have made a very, very conscious effort to go, this is what's to, like what what you need to look forward to in the next couple of years in terms of our main eventers in both the junior and heavyweight scene. Um, and this is a taste of essentially what it's going to be going forward. And it's been incredible. I just want to say they pushed the youth. It worked. It was the right move. I'm so happy they did it. And All Japan is finally getting the love and respect that it deserves because they had a fantastic 2023. I almost want them to do something that is normal for them, right? Like we need another like Masao in a way tag to just <laughs> remind right. people exactly what we're dealing with here, just to humble everyone um, before everyone gets too excited. But it has been um, a tremendous year. I think on a couple levels, I am actually anticipating something interesting to happen. I We have to be on top of it at this point. It's December 10th at the time of this recording. Tospo Awards have to be coming out quite soon. 
Um, I'm really interested to see what happens when Kento either does or does not get certain awards. Um, I think that could be very interesting to see what his comments are going into the new year. Um, he's also going to be 35 next year, which is becoming um, an age to watch for in a lot of these guys. So um, I think, though, that there's so much promise. Um, we've we've gotten to a point where um, Kento is, is you know, getting a lot of, I think, the acclaim and respect he deserves. But the rest of the roster um, can be trusted to main event shows and they go off well. And it, Kendo doesn't have to be a part of every single main event to make sure that this promotion survives. Um, and that's, you know, the place that we've we've needed to get to. And I think we're there. And this roster is deep with talent. And um, I think things are only getting uh, even better from here. It's a great little promotion. It's nice that people are recognizing it. So thank you once again for listening and supporting Talking Triple Crown in 2023. You can find me on Twitter at Sister Jessie and Royal Road 72. You can find me Alicia at Sharanui Kai and me and Rachel at Kickout299. Um, and we're going to let our guests sign off as well so they can tell you what they're working on and where you can find them. Um, Simone, why don't you lead us off? Thank you for having me. You can find me on Twitter as OutsiderGW. I used to be Compa, now I'm Simone. So see you there, I guess. And thank you for having me again. You can find me, Lewis, at Hideki Suzuki's Purple Trunks. Um, I'm working on nothing. If you'd like me to work on something or talk about whatever that's going to be, let me know because I love to chat shit. So that's fine. You can find me on Twitter at Desware for some vegetable market shit posting. Thank you for having me. Thank you all once again, and we'll see you in the new year.